everybody. This is Dan with the Spiritual Underground Podcast. We'll just give you the same things we do every week. Uh, if this is the first time coming upon the Spiritual Underground Podcast, it's primarily 12-step recovery-based podcast. I do have guests occasionally that bring other things. And actually here in the future, I've got a whole string of some folks bringing some uh, new things, some add-tos in your recovery. Um, and if you're not an alcoholic, but you're still looking for something, something's missing in your life some kind of uh uh life shouldn't be like this there's got to be more to it uh, i would suggest the 12 steps and no longer do you have to be an alcoholic or an addict to do that there's a program that's uh based out of louisville kentucky that is 12 step spiritual recovery it is recovery for all uh, you can go to 12 step spiritual recovery uh, com and get the meeting schedule you can join that meeting those meetings on zoom some of them and uh, so you can you can attend that meeting from anywhere in the world. You can just come in and check it out and uh, sit in the back row, so to speak, and see what it's all about. And uh, there's a book that accompanies it that kind of uh, carves some of the uh, alcoholic addiction stuff out of it and helps you relate to it if that's not your problem. Um, it is 12-Step Spiritual Recovery by James Christopher Cohn, and it can be found on Amazon. So... Thank you, Darren Frank, for the music you allowed me to wrap around this thing. Prayer for you, brothers. Uh, he's had, had another surgery the other day, and uh, from all from what I understand, it went well. I, I'm, I haven't heard firsthand yet. Uh, today, this has been a requested thing. Uh, Christopher and I did this a few years ago, and uh, we had uh, listeners submit questions. And uh, I like the way Scott Lee says, uh, he goes, uh, you can ask me questions, but all you're going to get is funny looks. Uh, so we're go- I, I hesitate to say, but we are going to respond to your questions. I, I, I will hesitate to say that they will be answered, but we will respond to your questions today. And uh, so I have a pile of emails here, and um, I don't know who sent what. Uh, did my uh, took a little left turn to make sure that they stayed anonymous for just so that the listeners could feel more comfortable to submit questions maybe uh you feel phony about asking something uh so i i worked it out where i, I don't know who sent what today so i'll introduce my guest real quick christopher how you doing this morning doing really well thanks how good. are you dan good over here on the sunny side of the river is that what it is that's what Even they call the cl- it. that's it's what cloudy we, today that's what they like to say on this side <laughs> There used to be a big sign down on this side of the river that said, welcome to the sunny side. Uh, Jeffersonville or somebody put that up. Is that right? Um, it did seem a little slower moving when I crossed the river, you know, once I got off the highway. You know, a little bit slower, a little bit easier lifestyle over here. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's Not definitely as high a, pressure. Definitely a different pace on that side than this side. I, yeah. I feel it on a daily basis almost. Getting worse, actually, feels yeah. like on a daily basis. You know, we tear through life like that, and uh, after we get done here today, I've been asked to go visit a friend of ours who's in his last week of life. He's got hospice, and he's in critical care at the hospital, and, you know, we've had a lot of people we've lost lately, and we get so caught up in silly stuff, you know. I was listening to an alcoholic talk about their family was... They just can't deal with them because they just get caught up in judging everybody else and taking everybody else's inventory. And I'm like, why waste your time? Why would you waste your what little time you got doing that crap? But Squandering the hours. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But it's human. It's what we do, yeah. you know. It does seem like, a, you know, 
It's another one of those nature nurture things that, you know, if, uh, I would guess it's a piece of training, too, that most people have grown up with that going on around them. And it feels like the natural thing to do. You know, if you're sitting around, and you're a little kid and adults are sitting around complaining about everybody. Uh, what else are you going to do? You don't have a choice but to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. We talked about, uh, I think it was in TSSR the other week how we compare you know and so we live in that compare society that you know well they're doing worse than i am so i can pick on them and feel better about myself or or i'm they're doing much better than me and i'm envious and i'm jealous and and before you know it your life becomes another episode of the housewives of atlanta or some shit yeah I just don't have time for it. And I remember, and again, part of it's age. It's a function of age once yep. you get to a certain point. I remember, I'll never forget the time I visited Brother Luke, and he just set me straight. He said, you know, I'm living here in a monastery, but don't you kid yourself that I don't deal with the same stuff you deal with every day. You're dealing with human beings and politics and personalities and opinions and gossip and... All that jazz that goes along with it. And he says, but I just don't have the time for it. He says, once I turn 60, that hourglass has been turned over, bro. I only got this much sand left in there. So I try to be very circumspect every day about how much time I dedicate to whatever issue it is or whatever thing. Because, you know, time's running out. Yep. I try to be aware of where I'm burning my energy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just it just isn't worth it. I know that. Uh, but it had to, I had to unlearn it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it, and it didn't come easy. The other thing that's going through my mind about this fellow is, you know, we're losing a lot of our friends from, I think, the ravages of their lifestyle from living that way as an alcoholic all those yeah. years, and especially smoking and shit like that, you know. And I have no doubt it's cancer, as far as I know, that this gentleman is passing from. And um, that's another thing I would say to anybody that's out there thinking about getting sober. It's like, don't wait. <laughs> don't ravage your body anymore because if you do get sober and you don't die from your disease, there's going to come a day where you're going to be like, gee, I wish I'd quit smoking earlier. I wish I'd done this earlier. And it's like, well. What do you figure? He's in his 60s? Or you think he's 70 by now? <sighs> he might be 70 by now. He's lasted pretty long. Yeah. He got sober, I think, before his son. Yeah, Justin, and, I, I and then Justin, he had fell on, fallen out of AA. He wasn't really finding his fit. And then uh, Justin started coming to our group, the Broad Highway, and he said, Dad, you should come check out this group. I really think you'd like it. And he just showed up one night, and he just took right to it. And he, he loved it. Yep, he I loved the spirit in the room. He loved the love. He loved the fellowship. And uh, it was a pleasure to have him come to our meetings. Yeah. Uh, I've met him a few times, and I think he's been for Justin's birthday, too, mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. He's, a, he's a good man. But it's our—it's all of our fates cannot be forestalled. We're all going to pass eventually. So what do you want to get done while you're here? Be even, be aware of that. Time's running out. Yeah. I've got an app on my phone that uh, um, it's Leap. Yeah. And it sends you reminders, and it's it says... Uh, pops up a banner comes down and it says don't forget you're going to die and if you hit it it'll have some kind of quote like you know to don't waste your time don't waste your life don't you know just reminders on uh life is short i love that yeah uh kind of interesting is uh got a little bit like don't forget you're going to die <laughs> it's a little funny <laughs> reminder to be popping up on a regular basis but, no not but at all. that's true in fact when i was spent my time with the buddhists they taught me that's something that they meditate on every day 
yeah. is their own in, impermanence is what they call it. Um, the same thing when they build those sand mandelas. I think that's how the conversation came up because I was like, you guys will spend a week creating this massively intense, beautiful, detailed, yeah, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And they're sitting there hunched over just scraping that sand all day long. And uh, at the end of it, they just wipe it clean. And it's the impermanence of life. You're only here for yep. a moment. Yep. So I was thinking this morning, you know how we talk about, we joke, you know, well, this is my favorite thing about recovery. Well, this is my favorite thing. Well, the greatest thing about recovery is this. No, the greatest thing is actually this. And I think I've got a new category for us. And the category is, this is actually the most astounding thing about recovery. <laughs> and the, the most astounding thing about recovery, I was thinking as I was coming over here this morning was... Why in the world would anybody want to know what I think about anything? Because <laughs> literally when I came into this program, you could not find a person who wanted to hear anything I had to say at that point. They were like, shut up, go away, leave us alone, don't come back. <laughs> you know? Take the cotton out of your ears. <laughs> well, that's the way it was when I hit AA, but when I, I'm just talking about my family. They're like, family. Just, just get in the car, get in the airplane, go yep. away, Kids 53 seen, miles, not heard. don't come back. We don't care what your opinion is. No, you just leave us alone. So that just astounds me that we get this gift of having something valuable to contribute. Yep, no doubt. It's From good. two things, you know, our experience and our teachers. Yep. That's it. I was thinking, I'm speaking on Monday night. I was thinking about that. You know, all, all I have is to tell you what happened to me and tell you what I've been taught by some of the greatest men that have walked this earth in, in recovery, as far as I believe. I'm very fortunate. I feel the same. I've had a lot of good people around me teach me a lot of things. Uh, in and out of AA to some extent, but mm -hmm. uh, majority of it's, well, you know, it's like, uh, it was the cotton in the ears thing to some, uh, before AA, even when I had people around that had good teachings to make, uh, I couldn't hear them. Uh, that's what they say, what Chuck C said that broke that book, A New Pair of Glasses. And I said one night, you know, I also got a set of hearing aids, because <laughs> uh, I could hear things that I couldn't, I couldn't or wouldn't hear before that. Not able to. Yep. Just, yeah. just wouldn't get I love in. it. I was talking about that yesterday. There's that speaker that talks about, you know, I, I took my newcomer to this meeting and it was a speaker meeting and the speaker's really laying it down and I'm getting into it and I'm like, this is great. This is exactly what I want my man to hear. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is a great message. He goes to his guy and says, wasn't that a great meeting? And that guy was at a totally different meeting than he was at. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't hear any of that because yeah. he's just too sick. It just yeah. doesn't get in. And I have to stop myself as a therapist many times when I'm, I did that yesterday. I went off on a bit of a rant on something that I'm passionate about. And I could tell from the bl blank look of my patient's face, it's like, you're wasting your time. A frothy emotional appeal never suffices, not seldom suffices. So, but <laughs> yeah, but you hope something will break through. Well, sometimes that passion pops up and you just go for it. You know, it's, uh, are you being led to, to tell them? I'll bet somebody was listening. That's the thing. Uh, well, it was the passion on, you know, we were talking about letting go and um, the struggle, you know, the eternal struggle between I've lived my whole life controlling everything. So now you guys are just telling me, well, just pray on it and let it go. And he said, I just don't get that. And I'm like, yeah, I know. We all were the same way. But I can help you if you'll let me. Yep. So I tried to walk him through this exercise that I was taught. Like, you know, when you were sleeping last night, did you have any control over keeping your heart beating? And instead of giving me a yes or no, they wanted to give me a sentence. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if that's <laughs> what's a yes or no question, bro. Did you have any power? Were you waking up this morning? 
Did you have any choice or any power whatsoever in whether or not the water was going to come out of your faucet? Yes, you paid your bill, but you didn't make it happen. Yeah. Same thing with your electricity when you switched it on. Same thing when you go to the store. Did you grow the food? Did you package the food? Did you ship the food to the store? Did you unpack it? Did you put it on the shelves? Did you open the store? Did you turn the lights on? No, none of that. All that was out of your control. But you go to the store and you think, I'm running my world. I expect that to be on the shelf for me to buy. And it's an illusion is what I was trying to teach this person. Any control you think you have over anything. Anything. I said, you could be in traffic and you've got like 12 other people at any given stoplight around you who have their own independent minds, having their own fucked up days, who could just suddenly decide to just lose control and run their car into you and kill you. You know, we had a, a receptionist who was crossing the intersection at DuPont a year ago and just going to get lunch at McDonald's. And this car just broke through the stoplight full speed and knocked wow. her SUV on its side and she was in the hospital. Yeah. Yep. And, and you're like, <laughs> and we just go around like, oh no, but I'm in control of this. If I were to let go, what does that mean? It's, you're letting go every day. The minute you get behind a wheel, you're letting yep. go. You just don't. <clears throat> yep. It's again, it's a, it's a learned thing and it's a practice. Or the guy that said on a speaker tape about, you have trouble having face. Did you ever fly in an airplane? <laughs> <laughs> Now, you had faith that the mechanics put that thing together right and serviced it right and that they gassed it up and you had faith that the pilot was sober and was going to get you there. You had zero control over that metal cylinder going 2,000 um, feet up in the air and 500 miles an hour and whatever it is. Yeah. But, you know, again, this we're humans. So we think we have power. And on a log going around the bend in the river, and I think I'm steering. Yep, that's a good one. That's Bob Bazant. Is it? Yeah. So, want to get well, to it? Or would you yep. have something else? Uh, yeah, let's get to it. Uh, so, i got a pile of paper here with uh, questions. Some of them have more than one question, and we'll just roll with that on however it uh, comes up. We could put that back, check it off, and put it back in the shuffle pile. Um and I was trying to think I had something sitting there and it's it's missing some gem of wisdom that was yeah, going to change my was. entire path on earth yeah. no not even close <laughs> all the way he's talking about the best stuff the, yeah uh, all best that is, uh, yeah and it's, that's a, a Scott Lee thing I remember from his talks too about having everything in first place alcoholics always have more than one thing in first place but here we really get to you know, uh, because it, it is, there's a whole lot of things and you can't, you can't really rank them. It's what's, uh, happening at the moment, which one of the tools, uh, saved you this moment. <laughs> That's usually the best one. And way more gifts than we ever imagined. We just wanted to get sober. We just wanted the pain to stop and look what happened. We yep. got all this stuff. What a gift. All right. I'll deal them out like a deck of cards and let my guests go first. All right, here we go. This is the anonymous question. Oh, this is a good one. <laughs> We're going to start out hot today. Hot. Yeah, here we go. What distinguishes a strong sex drive from an addiction, or are the two distinguished at all? Hmm. That's definitely... 
I can read the second part. But Stretching, I, is it two separate questions or is it elaborating on the I think it's thing? both. It's a separate question, but it also, also is related. Is related to but it's, the... it's, it's, all right, here we go. I'm just going to read it. Go ahead. Is a pedophile a deviant, illegal sex drive, or simply an addiction requiring the use of a child? I'm going to let you handle that one. Oh, I'm going to handle that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, definitely an interesting question because, uh, you know, it, it's right up the alley of like what we do in TSSR, and this is you know this stuff in, uh, manifests uh, manifests in different ways, and just like you know the overeaters' problem is not that much different than the uh, than the alcoholics' problem, and um, and sex is one of those things. It's a what a dopamine releaser, you know, and and uh, I guess there is some chance, some there is some talk about the differences in between whether that's a power move or a dopamine move, you know, this one thing said it kind of shifted gears there into whether it was a, just a sex addict and then it goes on to pedophiles. And mm -hmm. I think, uh, I think those are two different things, but I do, I, you know, I have personal experience with it. Having, uh, having gone through something with that on Carissa and, you know, that's one of the tools that I had to use. Uh, and I do believe it to be so is that I had to grant that guy spiritual sickness right just to cope almost uh rather than monsters and uh <clears throat> or just like a deviant and that the word he uses uh, rather than than those things uh and i think i'm right I, I do believe that you know how sick do you have to be to uh to decide that you're gonna do something like that um i don't think i think it has very little i think that pedophilia has very little to do with sex drive like um yeah i think it's drama I think it's exercising your trauma. Well, let's go back a second first. Go ahead. So, standard definition of any addiction is if you continue to do repetitive, ritualistic, compulsive behaviors despite negative consequences. And um, and then there's that balance, like, well, how serious are the negative consequences? Am I willing to go deal with one DUI? Okay, you might be willing to deal with one DUI, so that's not an addiction maybe for you yet, right? But when it starts adding up. So I think there's two definitions for me about whether something's an addiction, just to back up on that word. Sure. A, if, you know, you keep doing something that's hurting you or if you're hurting others. So you can have a strong sex drive, so to speak. But if you're dallying through relationships and hurting other people and breaking hearts and lying, you know, and be, living double lives and doing all that stuff. Uh, but if you're in a committed relationship with someone else who enjoys sex and you both have a strong sex drive, there is absolutely zero, nothing wrong with that. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> I would consider that a blessing. No doubt. Um, especially if you're older. Um, but we do get funny about things like that. And, you know, we live in the most addicted society that's ever existed on planet earth. And I know when I say that in group, people sort of roll their eyes and just let it float over them. But I think that has to be taken into account whenever you're weighing all the maladies that you see people going through, or you, you yourself might be going through to say, well, wait a minute, we're, we're, we're responding to an environment that's telling us that we got to have something from the outside to fix us all the time, all the time. And I remember Andrew Haberman, the neuro neuroscientist on, on YouTube, who says that uh, we've gone from a dopamine doing society to a dopamine consuming, consuming society. So we used to get all of our dopamine 100 years ago from 
doing working your fields and building your house and doing your chores and then at the end of the day you kick back on the porch you feel good about yourself but now it's all about consuming you know, what can i go buy what can i eat what can i have sex with what can i do this or that just to keep myself feeling happy thinking that that's going to make you happy and of course we as addicts and alcoholics know that that's a dead end you're happy for a moment <laughs> yeah it's very short-lived <laughs> happiness um but when it comes to pedoph pedophilia I really, these people, nine times out of ten, are just acting out what was done to them. And I don't mean that in a dismissive way or a simplistic way, but they've got that programming we talk about in TSSR, right? Mm -hmm. They've been seriously, seriously, seriously violated and hurt. And, um, you know, we're working out our stuff as addicts and alcoholics from being hurt. A lot of the men I worked with because of their father issues, whatever it is. Uh, and, you know, we live in a society that just wants to burn people because, well, this sin is worse, so much worse than this other sin that you need to just die. But, you know, if you have any compassion in your heart, which I know is the hardest thing to do for that group of people, um, they're sick. Yep. They're very, 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 very sick. And uh, I don't think that has anything to do with the sex drive. I just think they're working out their shit, <laughs> just like every human being is. Yeah. Yeah. God, I wouldn't want to have that curse. It's I, uh, bad enough to be a drug addict, you know? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, definitely, because uh, the pain that you're putting forward into, the car the karma you're sending or going to get back after things like that, it just, I don't know how you could, I just can't, it just doesn't even, I can uh, sit around and justify drinking myself to death, but I don't know how you sit around with yourself and justify hurt, hurting other people and be able to, you know, go home and sit on the couch and watch TV at night like nothing's going on. Uh, there was a show I fell in a rabbit hole with some guy who does these iceberg things on there on uh, on YouTube, and he went through a bunch of serial killers, and he went through, he dug up their early lives and stuff, and almost without a doubt, all of them had something going on, some kind of trauma, some kind of uh, bad early childhood stuff, uh, almost on all of them, that you know, turned them into monsters. <clears throat> I remember I heard a speaker one time that really helped me because I know some of the people listening might be going, well, what do you mean? It sounds like you're giving them an excuse, programming, whatever. She told this story about herself. I was really impressed that she was very, that this level honest, right, at the podium. But she told this story about, you know, when I was a kid, I used to be punished by being thrown in this closet and they would lock the door and it was dark in there. Just, and I'd sit there in the dark and I'd be terrified and I'm bawling my eyes out and nobody's responding to me. I mean, it's one of the most abusive things you could do to a child. And to console herself, there was this rubber boot in there. And she found that when she rubbed on it, it made her feel good. Mm. And you know what she was rubbing. And so guess what happened later in her life? She ended up having a fetish for rubber and things oh, wow. like that. And so where do you think that came from? Yeah. And, you know, what's funny about this is the way we judge each other. I've been around and you've been around. Every human being has their own fetishes and things yeah. and weird deals when it comes to sex. Everybody, period. Even the Pope. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Especially just kind of funny how we, you know, well, what I do is okay, but what you do is fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yep. And especially for us to do that as addicts, since we have been on the extreme of everything, I always think it's kind of funny when we judge other people. Yeah. And uh, then you 
still around all the taboos we got around sex period and then yeah. you add a little curve in it and i'm sure really you know i'm not going to tell anybody about that i'm not mm-hmm. going to be out out in front with it uh, we're uh, we're really goofy about sex and how astounding when bill wilson was able to be so straightforward when he said we all have sex problems we wouldn't be human if we didn't yeah that's his one line in there it just makes me go holy shit yep. <laughs> it's okay and the yeah and the fact that he included that in the inventory to begin with that we you know it's something that everybody's dealing with that it's one of those under the rug things that uh is underneath of every addict well everybody probably well, I was uh, just going to say that from all the fist steps you've done, don't you find that's one of the big secrets they're hiding sure. something in yep. the sex sex department? Yep. Yeah. Almost inevitably. So we're saying that for anybody that's out there because you haven't let that go with your sponsor or something, just tell them, just, just get it out. Uh, your sponsor's probably done something worse than that. Yeah. And you think about if that had got, le- let's say that got left out, mm-hmm. that's a big raging hole in your history if they weren't going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And it certainly is. It's a... Uh, it's one that we carry heavily. I know it was for me. It was something that was that that it was a take it to the grave secret thing. There's been a fellow in our circle who I wonder is if not, if they're not struggling with that and whether or not that's why they keep relapsing. Secrets, man. We're as sick as our secrets. That's just not a saying. It's a truth. Yeah. Yep. You know, you said something about that girl in the closet, and I don't know. Uh, I have a memory of my neighbor kids locking me in a, put me in a trunk in their attic when I was a little kid at the Jeez. house I lived at before Scary. this one. It's like being uh, buried alive. But like, I can't, I can't reconcile it with my head. Cause we, that would have been before I was three years old mm-hmm. and I don't have like a sharp memory of it. Mm-hmm. It's more like a nightmare in a way. And it's at least my, my memory of it is, uh, but of course at that age, that might be the way it comes through. Uh, but I, do have uh it's funny the lights blinked um that'd be cool have a i got batteries though so i don't yeah i think i'd keep on podcasting if the power went out i think i would i think it would work uh that memory and and the fear that you was at one time involved in my recollecting that uh you i could feel the energy uh build up in me and forever i didn't like to be in the dark I want a nightlight on. I can do it. You know, today it's okay. Uh, but for a long time, I couldn't, I, 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 I did not like to be in the dark. I didn't like it when they took us, we'd go to those uh, field trips and go in like a cave. That's yeah. something I remember. And they shut off the lights where you have zero light and it is dark. Uh, it almost gets that dark down to cabin when you shut the lights off and you're sitting there and the generator runs out of gas in the middle of the night. <laughs> you better have a flashlight co- close by. But I, I think it's I think it stems from that. And, you know, I, but I can't honestly say 100 percent that I know that's true. Does that make sense? I don't know if it's fancied or real. <laughs> right. And I get that from youth being so young. But then there's also that layer of. Like, I don't like claustrophobic spaces. I mean, I deal with them. That's not a big phobia, but I just don't like being hemmed in, period. Yeah, I mean, even if it's traffic. You know, you got a semi on your right, and this motherfucker won't go, and you're stuck by that, and you're stuck by the wall on the other side. It's like, mm, get me out of here, man. I don't want to be in this situation. If that guy throws a tire, we're all dead. Yeah. Um, and I sometimes wonder, does that relate to a past life deal? You know, like, you know, yeah. like I can deal with man-made heights, but, but or I mean nature heights but i'm like not a, a mountain, fan of man-made but heights. not like a tower yeah absolutely 
And, you know, I, just, I told you about that movie Fall. Yeah, I watched I it. Recently. Did you? It, give me, it just gives me that gut yep. feeling like, oh, geez, I don't, I don't like that feeling of falling. And it makes me wonder if I yep. fell to my death in another life or yep. something. I, I, I am flipped out about heights, too. All of them. Uh, I like there's a neighbor there's a house I worked on just the other day over here and there's probably a 200 foot cliff down to Silver Creek at the end of this road and I remember it from when I was a little kid and I remember dad telling me about one of his friends went over it on a bicycle killed him no shit and then when I was growing up I had a friend or associate he wasn't really a close friend who slipped off that hillside and fell down there and got hurt real bad uh, and I walk up to it and I get five six foot away from it and that's as close as I, you know, I want to peer over. There's something in me that wants to peer over, but I don't like, I feel, I, I don't trust it. I don't trust the ground. I don't, like in a movie, you know, your feet slip right at the wrong moment. I just don't even, I, I remember just the other day backing away from that and kind of giggling at myself that uh, I was, I was scared. I, I could not walk up to that edge. Out there in Colorado was the same thing. Boys are heading up the mountain this morning. I was, uh, at that recording with the Buddhists um, and we had climbed the mountain. It was the International Day of Prayer and they had gone up to the topmost ledge of this highest point at this retreat center, Furnace Mountain, Kentucky, in the middle of the state, wherever it is. And um, we wanted to go up there and get that energy. So we climbed up there at sunset and I just walked right on the ledge and apparently it was angled. So my momentum started actually carrying me towards, and it was kind of weird, I felt like, almost felt familiar like i had mm. been in that situation before huh. and then there was that time in, in the grand canyon when we were being stupid and rock climbing without gear and beyond our level and we got too far down and then i had to hoist myself up on this rock and tear just about tear my freaking shoulder out to mm. just get my weight because i could once i pulled myself up it was like you're either going or you're falling off this cliff because the thing was pulling me backwards. I could just feel it. And if I fell back, I was going to lose my footing and go down the fucking yeah, canyon. Down, yeah. And so that would have been a great story. Man found another tourist dead at the fucking canyon. Yeah, it does scare me. Uh, but again, I've heard from so many teachers talk about, you know, if you've died from a certain wound or something, like a certain part of your body, then somehow that's remembered in the next life. Yeah. Whether it's a birthmark or whether it's this or that, you know, just interesting, weird shit like yep. that. Yeah. I was uh, not open to those thoughts when I came to recovery of a pa of past lives and that kind of thing, but uh, my views have changed a bunch. Not just on that area, but just, you know, recovery. I was trying to tell this person that I was talking about earlier that, you know, if you just do this work, just do the work, you're going to open your mind up and realize you don't know jack shit. Yeah. And you've been in this matrix of belief that doesn't exist. And there's so much more out there. Yeah. Just go on the journey. You won't regret it. I was certainly closed-minded. I could not. I think it probably falls in the same categories, not be able to hear people, and you know, just I, I couldn't. I couldn't get past my narrative. Mm -hmm. uh, if it was outside my realm, I couldn't. I couldn't think of it. I couldn't accept it. I couldn't even entertain it. I heard a speaker quote from Hamlet, and I had forgotten the quote, but it's so appropriate. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And it's a scene where this guy's going, oh, that's, I don't believe in ghosts and all that other stuff. That's nonsense. It's like, well, <laughs> Hamlet's father appears to be visiting him. Should we go on and get yeah, one pace? Uh, Otherwise, uh, that's yeah. all I got on this one. All right. 
So I think, you know, just to finish it up, a strong, a strong sex drive. If you're not hurting anybody and it's not causing you consequences, you're not being arrested. Enjoy. Yeah. With a capital E. Yeah. Okay. That's uh. But, you know, we should say, you know, if you're using it to escape from your other responsibilities and it's keeping you from being a good husband or being a good father or a good worker and you're you're just sitting around all day watching porn or something, then that would be a different story. Yeah, I think that. But there's help for that. Talk to other people in the program, man. That's one of the most common areas for men to struggle with. Mm -hmm. Um, All you got to do is turn on your phone. You've got porn available to you 24 hours a day. Yeah. it's really crazy, man, because, you know, we're hunter-gatherers, and we're the hunters, and, you know, it's just there. Yeah. You don't even have to go you looking for it. hunt hard. It's an easy <laughs> Remember hunt. in the old days, you'd have to, like, search out, well, his dad got Playboys hidden in somewhere up in yeah. here. You'd be tearing the room apart looking yeah. for stuff. I remember the, the convenience store up the road there. We'd ride our bikes up there and get a Coke or a bubble gum, and they'd have those covered wrappers in the back, and yes. you could see Penthouse yes. and Hustler and Playboy, and you could just see the tops of them, you know, and it's like... Oh, man, I'd love to get my hands now, on see, that. See, that was in the 80s when the moral majority flipped out and said, we've got these magazines where kids can see them and shit. That's when the bags came out, and they used to be out on the newsstand. Oh, like, really? Literally, yeah, we yeah, put them right yeah. in our pockets or in, right in our trousers and walk out the door with them. So let's steal them. Absolutely. Shoplifting. Yeah, well, you're yep. not going to hey, walk I, up to the counter. He's yep, not going to nope, sell it to nope, me. He's not going to. I get it. Yeah, I was. that's one of my... <laughs> Adrenaline dumps with shoplifting. I think I liked the stealing as much as I liked what I got, uh, and I think that played into later on. You know, so I, I mean, wanna, it gets to the where we you, should do a whole separate podcast on this issue. But I'll just say this, man: we, as a as a as a culture, as men, are part of a great experiment that's never happened before in the history of humankind since the 1960s, when when mass market pornography was available to alter our sex appetites and and give us that extra dopamine that you just can't get from a a standard screwing around relationship whatever it's just it's it's and it's a big demon among every fucking man i've ever worked with yeah so and we don't talk about it unless at our group we would i'd bring it up as a topic but you what is your standard aa meeting you wouldn't hear people no Yep. Just to cap, just to put a cap on that. Most of you know, it's like a lot of other things. If you think it's a problem, it probably is. If you're questioning that it's a problem, talk talk to your sponsor. And there's also uh, therapists, man. I can't say enough about therapy and how much that's helped me in my journey. Like major, major. All right. Next. I don't think anything's going to top that one. We should put this in a, top in a, in a frame and frame it. Whoever presented it, thank yes, you. It's definitely for out of loop, no <laughs> doubt. Yep, it is a, a stretch. It's a that is open. Uh, I, I joked around. I went. Uh, this one is from Nintendo Ninja at gwiz.com. Uh, you ever hear him do oh, that I on podcast? Name? <laughs> that Did you put these little, names yeah, in there? I put it on there. This one was. <laughs> Uh, for the pedophilia question, Dan put in jail soon at protonmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> and those are just jokes because, yeah, like I said, it's, to it up, it's anonymous. Uh, so this in here says, question for the Christopher and Dan podcast, if it's not too late. What kind of barriers to working your program have you faced and how did you overcome them? What kind of barriers to working your program have you faced, and how did you overcome them? A thousand. Yeah. Uh, first barrier. It's for all me, about barriers. Yeah, yeah. 
mostly from the ego. Yeah. But my first barrier was was being too fucking smart for this program. Mm. And that's kind of what I was trying to teach this fellow the other day. It's like, you got to dumb it down, man. You just got to. And I, I didn't understand the concept because in my family, intellect was always valued. And that's how you proved your worth. If you're going to contribute something to the huge, vigorous debates we would have at the kitchen table during meals, you better be on point. You better have your shit together with what you're saying, right? Um, and I was always defending that. So when they're telling me to dumb it down, I'd be like, well, that's an insult yeah. <laughs> to me. Yeah, um, so, yeah, because it didn't make any sense. You know, again, I tried to outsmart it. Yeah, things try to like figure you got to surrender to win. It just yeah. doesn't make any sense, nope, right? Nope. That's a you know, it's a common thing with every one of my new guys. You know, it's it's a typical barrier, and uh, you know, don't worry about how it works. It, uh, it, I don't know how this thing works. I just know that it does trust the process, and and that cost me that. You know, I always say I I sit in meetings going you you losers might have to work these twelve steps, but I'll find another way, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 I didn't. Another one of them that I uh, one barrier I remember was uh, uh, some shame around it, and not wanting anybody to know. You know, keeping my program so secret that I couldn't let anybody know about it, and want anybody to know. You know, and that fact of the matter is, most people knew already that knew me, knew you had a problem, but uh, I, I really think once that was part of the acceptance of this is just who I am. You know, once I opened up and did that, and I always say too that you know once I started a podcast, my anonymity was out the window then. Um, but the shame around it was a barrier that I that I had to deal with, and it was really same thing as all this. It was um, time. I, it's unbelievable how much continuing to practice this thing because these people that get a year or two and then think they're fixed and and bounce uh, the value. I just wasn't prepared to. I wasn't prepared to accept certain facts until enough time was proven to me that that or you know you learn lessons and you get the lessons over time. I'm trying to think of other barriers. Well, there's two things you brought to mind. It's Everybody, when they come in this program, has this concept that's been given to them by society that the alcoholics is guys with a bottle and a bag under the bridge, right? And that wasn't me. So it's easy to deny that and say, and it has all negative connotation until you find out the other side. As you said, you learned some things. Alcoholics are actually cool, and they're some of the most fun people to be around, and they take risks, and they do exciting things. And it's actually, I wouldn't want to be a normal person, so let's just say that. Um, But the barrier... When you said shame was about for me that I'm I'm my fucking dad. I'm my fucking dad. I fucking, and I've heard this from so many of my patients. It's like, you know, they fought their whole lives. Like, I just want to get away from these people and I hate these people and I don't want to live like this. And then they get the disease show up and suddenly I'm my fucking father. I'm doing, I'm doing a different substance. But I'm the same dude. I can't. And, and that's a big barrier, I think, for people to admit that they're alcoholic. Cause, yes. Yeah. Um, I think the God thing was the major barrier as well for yeah. me because of um, what I was brought up with was based in shame and guilt when it came to higher power. And um, so when they were telling me to let go, I still had this underlying, yeah, I'll let go, but only this far, bro, because I don't trust, you know, you're, this thing's going to smite me or, you know, it really doesn't want me to have sex ever again in my life and, you know, whatever. Just really puritanical bullshit uh, that I didn't believe in. 
And I rejected it the minute I heard it, but it still got into these computer banks. And I had a hard time letting that go, that there could be an unconditional power that cared anything about me and my, my, my future happiness. Bill Wilson talked about that and says, well, I could see that there's a creative intelligence in the universe, but when it comes to a personal God to me yeah. that gave a fuck and is involved in my life, he says, my mind would snap shut right there. Yeah. <laughs> So I feel very close to him with that struggle. Yeah, that was a definite. Burden. I didn't want to. I didn't want to believe that that was true. It's a little too scary for me uh, that there was actually something up there. And I know that piece of it was that I also felt like I had crossed over the line and like a no, you know. And even Christianity tells you that there's redemption. Even our Western philosophies tell you that if you will confess that you can be free and uh you know get baptized and all that kind of stuff but uh for whatever reason that part didn't make it in i thought that i'd already crossed the line too deep and there was no turning back and and i didn't want to believe there was something up there that was gonna make me pay for my sins and then one other barrier that i want to talk about for your first year especially this is a i i one of my biggest challenges in life, and it just seems to be something that's on my list, you know, if I'm a reincarnated soul that has to work through certain things in this life, I would put this on the fucking top 10 list, patience. Hmm. It, this process is just that. You're not going to fucking get it all at once. You're not going to feel good immediately. You're not going to believe any of the shit when you're first starting out. And that first year man of just hanging on when you're working your shit job and you're going to your fucking meetings and you're working your goddamn steps and you're hoping that all of this is going to come towards a great goal that's in the future i might be happy and have a good job and a decent salary and whatever and and you're just holding on every night with it i remember walking home from the 2218 club in, in minnesota which is dedicated it was dedicated by bill wilson in the early 1940s so it's one of the oldest silver clubs like our token club here in louisville in the in the country actually and um i would walk those blocks home and go to my building and walk up the stairs to the access to the roof and i would go out on the roof and look at the minneapolis skyline and and the moon and all that shit and just be like what the fuck i don't know what i'm doing why am I here and what's, what's, what is this leading towards and why am I bothering, you know? But I really had nothing else. And I really do sometimes suspect that you have to get to a place of almost desperation where you're like, it's either this or just slit my throat. Yep. yep. Just it was for me. The bottom. Yeah. The prospect of using again wasn't going to work. I had been pretty convinced of that. Yeah. Already wore that avenue out that that wasn't working by the time, and then it was a similar kind of thing. I was looking at those potential years in prison, and I would say it, it, the twelve steps for me was a hail mary pass. It was the it was the last thing. It was the buzzer beater shot from half court. Uh, I didn't think I'd make it, <laughs> but I didn't have anything else to try. When they say that phrase, a wing and a prayer. Like, literally, I think about that when you talk about that one story when you're driving home from the meeting and you're thinking, maybe I could drink tonight and get yeah. away with it on the pee toast for court. Yeah. It's like, what are we, why would we put ourselves through that? Because our mind's not right. That's what it is. But I will promise you, if you stick around and hang in there, it is definitely worth it. And that's uh, what I was trying. Patience is a, the 
term I was trying to say about time. You just have to hang around. You have to stick it out. It is so worth it. All right. This question is from, again, Dan wrote these. Why won't you love me at yahoo.com? <laughs> All right, here we go. What is the best approach to take with a sponsee who struggles with codependency with their significant other? Do you find it difficult to be non-judge Judy and keep the shoulds to a minimum or call it like you see it? All right, let me try it again. What is the best approach to take with a sponsee who struggles with codependency with their significant other? And do you find it difficult to be non-judge Judy and keep the shoulds to a minimum or do you call it like you see it? I think it's one of the biggest underlying things nobody wants to talk about. Uh, I think most, I think everybody's a victim of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that, you know, and again, it's it's kind of it's an addiction to people. And uh, but my my response to that kind of goes with your patience thing. Uh, I don't think you're you're capable in early recovery of seeing that. And when I talk, I, if you told me I was codependent. Uh, I'd punch you in the nose, you know, I, I, I could not hear that. But with some time looking back, like I say so often that looking in, I see everything in the rear view mirror. I don't see it out the windshield. And when I turn around and look, I see how gosh dang codependent I actually was. And then I feel like I've made a lot of progress there, but that's just from sticking it out. That's continuing to work his program, allowing like, uh, what's it say, uh, uh, more will be re- revealed, more will be disclosed kind of stuff that uh, it's, but when it comes to the question of like, what do you do? Uh, I don't pull too many punches. I don't, I, I usually, I usually speak it the way I see it and they can do with what they want to. I know that my sponsor used to say, Hey, uh, I'm just feeling led to say this. So I'm going to trust my higher power and, and tell you what's on my mind. And I carry that forward in my sponsoring too. I don't, I don't hold it back, but if I don't tell them what to do. Never do I ever say you should. <laughs> I might say I would, but uh, that, you know, there's no newcomer can hear uh, you tell them what to do. It's, uh, it's one thing about sponsoring. It's a, I, I visualize it like walking backwards, calling a puppy. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, follow me, come with me, come with me. Cause you just have to do that gently. If you try to grab the leash and pull them, all they do is fight. And I know that sounds kind of funny cause that's not what we're dealing with. We're dealing with people, but the resistance in, uh, in, well, it's that 10 step promise of cease fighting. Uh, there is fight in a newcomer. There's some, this disease hijacks them and is as willing as they can be. There's still that hesitancy and resistance at going into this unknown thing you're trying to pull me into. Codependency is a bitch. Yeah. And everybody's got it, but especially addicts and alcoholics. And if you grew up out of an alcoholic family system, it bleeds out of you. I'm sorry to tell you that you don't have any boundaries. You don't know how to stand up for yourself. You don't know how to speak your truth. Um, being a sponsor will actually help you with some of that because that's your responsibility is to step up and tell your guy the, the truth. And, um, that helps you in your life to now step up for yourself. But I got to tell you, man, I got to lean on my teachers for this one. And I'm so grateful that I've had such these great teachers. Um, no matter what was going on that I would take to Burns about one of my sponsees fucking up in this area or that area, he'd always stop and he'd look at me and goes, well, Christopher, are they doing the work? 
I'd be like, yeah. He goes, well, don't worry about it. Yep. The work will fix it. That's what fixes us. You're, that's not your job to fix them. And I think a lot of people get confused about that. They take on a project like it is a project. And it's like, that's no, 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 no. All you are is a guide to tell them this is what I did. And I can advise you and I can show you the tools and, and explain them. And But I'm not responsible for fixing your fucking life. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. So please don't butcher me because I love all of y'all out there. But I tend to find this more of an our female because um, I do sponsor a female, and I'm not saying it's that one, but I'm just saying that I've heard through the grapevine. They do tend to, guide, you know, like step that, step over that line. Like, no, you don't have to fix their life for them. You don't have to worry about this, that, and the other. Now, I'm going to assume from the question that it's possible that this codependency with their significant other might be getting in the way of their step work. If it's getting in the way of their step work, that is your responsibility to step up and say, well, you're not doing your work, and if we don't get this done, then I'm going to fire your ass and put some consequences on it. And I have found that that's the only way you get a person to get their work done. I needed that for myself. And, you know, I just wasn't going to do it on my own. I needed to have that fire that if I don't do it, there's going to be a consequence. So, um, and if it's hurting others or it's hurting them or going to cause them consequences to get them in jail or something, you definitely have to speak up. But be careful about nitpicking every little thing about, well, now they're arguing about that or I don't know how healthy this is or, you know... If it's going to threaten their recovery, then you have that's your you have absolutely solid ground to stand on to bring it up with them. If it's kind of like, well, maybe it would. We'll have to wait and see. Then wait and see. Hang back. Um, Dan and I have a phrase that I use that has served me well. I'm just going to let them dangle in the wind a little bit and watch what happens. And they'll come to me when they're hurting enough. Yeah. Another thing I do. And sometimes that's the only time they're ready to hear you. They won't even hear another, any other words you're telling them if they're not ready to hear it yet. Yeah. Uh, I find this difficult to do, but I sometimes we'll have a discussion and say, look, if you're just needing to vent, then tell me that. And I won't try to offer you something because I want to, because I still, at some level, have the want to fix it kind of thing in me a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> and I had to fight that where I just had to say, okay, but if you want my input, ask for my input you know let's tell me what side of the road we're working on and if you just need near i will sit here and bite my tongue and and listen to you um, but it does get hard especially when it's continuous and continuous <laughs> it's an well, everyday thing then you turn that question back on yourself and you're like well am i being codependent to be caring yeah. too much about what's yeah. going on in yeah. that relationship absolutely i cannot tell you how many times with a sponsee i have just listened to their polo and i don't do anything and then in the next polo, it's already resolved itself. Yeah, yeah that is. <laughs> so I didn't need to stick yep. my nose in it yep. to begin with. They just needed to tell me. Yep, that's the great thing chest. about polo. Yeah, you just get it off your chest, and and I don't know. This, there's not as much. Uh, I don't feel that way as much with a polo as I do with a dialogue. The, so I'm gonna uh, assume this person is finding it difficult to be non-judge Judy, and keep the shoulds to a minimum. So. Um, if you've done your inventory, one of the best cures that comes out of that is that it's, as we say, it's a cliche, but if you've never heard it, when you point that finger at other people, all you see is those three other fingers yeah. pointing at you. And uh, I find it very difficult to sit in the seat of judgment for too long. Now, I, I do it because I'm human. Oh, that motherfucker shouldn't be doing that. But immediately I'm like, dude, you got enough on your own plate to work on. And usually whatever I'm pointing at, I'm guilty of myself. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. That's why I say so, that mirror thing. I say a lot, a lot of times you're sitting listening to a sponsee and a bell will go off in my head, you know, because I hear, oh, that's for me. <laughs> that, uh, 
I will, I will find it. I am suffering from the same thing they're describing. And I know how hard it is because you want them to have the best life possible. But if you just love them and if they're doing the work, it's going to be okay. You know, again, Burns would always say it's God and the work that heals them, not you. Mm -hmm. You don't have that power, bro. You couldn't even fix yourself. So now you're sober. You think you're going to go out and get our people sober? No, that's not how it works. And I have to check myself on that shit all the time as a therapist. I'm not the one fixing them. Yeah. You know, I create an environment and I fight hard for that environment because with newborn addicts, they're fucking, you know, it's very hard to get them to participate in the rules of what makes a good group work. But when you get that happening, man, you see the miracle process work in front of you and you're just a facilitator, the channel, if you will. Same thing on the fifth step. I tell my people, make sure you say that prayer to invite God and then you're off the hook. Whatever happens isn't your fault. You put it in God's hands how that fist is supposed to go. And every time I've done that, it works out great. Yep. Well, yeah, in every aspect of life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Harder in some, especially Harder when it comes to money. And, yeah. and ro- what do they say? Romance and finance. Yep. I, I will say a prayer before every one of these podcasts that God So take I can over. cure you this person of their non-Judge Judy part and call your sponsor and tell your sponsor what you're doing and your sponsor will quickly point out your own defects. <laughs> I was working with one of my sponsors the other day and I said... Oh, let me get this straight. So you haven't done your work in this area, and yet I've been sitting here listening to you for the past year judge this other person in our support group who's not done the exact same work. They're like, I know, I know, you should have seen them. And I'm like, it's who we are. That's what I told them. It's who we are. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. (laughs) So God bless you that you're sponsoring people, but... Um, you don't have to fix their whole life. Just guide them through the work. And once again, patience. And, and that includes guiding them through being a sponsor. That, that's the thing that I found. We talk about the oh, well, four step is the greatest and nice step is the greatest. No, really, as a sponsor is where your growth takes off. Yep. Definitely. Without a doubt. Oh, I like it when guys tell me that they worked the steps and it didn't work. I see. Did you ever sponsor anybody? Yeah. No. That's the one. And you go, oh. I nail them on that all the time. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me you've worked the steps. You didn't work all the steps. Three, three things you can always ask someone when they're like, well, I did the program. It didn't work. Did you tell your sponsor everything in step five? No. Did you make all your amends? Well, barely. Nothing. No. And did you turn around and give it back in the official capacity as a sponsor? Not just doing, running meetings, whatever. Yeah. No. Well, then you haven't done the process. You don't, you shouldn't expect the prescription to work. If you took only five days of the antibiotic and the doctor told you to take all 10 days, don't come back saying you're yep. still sick. Don't tell me this doesn't work. I'm, I'm going to get quick. My hackles will come up when you tell me this doesn't <laughs> me work. Me too, bro. And I heard a guy talking about that. I think it was one of your favorite speakers and my favorite speakers. And he was saying, you know, well, do you know the success rate? It's like, wait a minute. Where is this listed success rate for AA? Where, where are you getting this information, bro? And again, they're not taking into account because they're not part of the program that most of the people who are not working it are the ones that are failing. <laughs> the program is the steps. It's not going to meetings. Yep. And, you know, you're just a fucking tourist if you're just going to meetings and, you know, you, you ain't doing any work on yourself. They just, But most people in the world just don't understand what these 12s I certainly didn't understand them either. I've just had great teachers. Yep. I still don't understand them. I just know it works. I do, though. No, I do. 
I mean, yeah, there's that little mysterious mystical part, but I'm going to tell you, there's science. This, there's, there's a science behind community. There's a science yeah. behind building something you can lean on and have faith in. There's a science behind finding a passion and a purpose to your life, which is our primary purpose to carry the message. There's a science between behind confessing your, your secrets and getting free of that shit because someone else also has the same secrets. It's not really a confession. It's more like an absolving. I mean, the whole fucking thing yeah. is scientific. Like cleaning I, house, doing the amends process or something yeah yeah i get uh and we have those tools that churches don't have which is why people are leaving the churches once a somebody has done this work and they're active in it do you see them leave no no yep yep uh it's the it's that it's that jump where you lose people is in that like if they do the work and they have the thing going they will jump before they get into the follow up you know they won't sponsor people that's what hooked me Mm -hmm. Uh, you get to doing that and you're you're in the boat Mm -hmm. and remember if you've not done that your sponsor is going to sponsor your first person through you you're going to call your sponsor like you've never called them before (laughs) when you're sponsoring your first person it does it keeps the relationship (laughs) alive too you know there's other things there you know that so uh you have a guy call you every day or contact you every day for this period of time and all that. And then, you know, I let him off the hook at one point. I'm like, you know, you don't have to call me every day anymore, man. Find your rhythm, find what you need to do. That's up to you. But yeah, when they start sponsoring somebody, that phone rings more <laughs> and it keeps, keeps our relationship alive too. You know, uh, me and that guy. So one last point on that question is just don't lose your humility. And I can find my humility real quick when I'm wanting to look at somebody else and say, well, don't they see they need to work on this or don't they need to know they need? Well, hold up, man. You're sitting there and you said you were going to work out today. Did you work out today? No. Yeah. Oh, you got something you need to work on, you little son bitch. Yeah. So don't lose your humility. Yep. All right. He is shuffling the papers. Draw, He's draw reaching out in, in the there middle. right now, and now he has the question for the next round. Hmm, this one has a number in it that makes it specific. So this is from your dream girl at TikTok.com. All right. Been if, waiting for that my whole life. If you could restart from when you first got sober, would you change anything you've done over the past 39 years? <laughs> That was aimed at somebody. If you could restart from when you first got sober, would you change anything you've done over the past 39 years? Absolutely. I was going to say. You want to go first? Uh, No, you. I read you go first. I would say lighten up on yourself and have more fun. I was one of those stereotypical serious young man type deals and spent too much time in my head not enough time living too much time trying to figure out not enough time experiencing um and just heavy heavy energy man i was so dark and depressed my first couple of years sober you know and um not to say that we didn't have crazy times of going out and having fun but Life goes by fast, folks, and when you're young, you better get the fuck out there and use your body and enjoy it, and, you know, you're going to be older soon, and it goes by in a blink. I don't know how the fuck I ended up at 61. I mean, it literally is just like, I just blinked and like, what What the fuck has happened? Yeah. And you don't, 
feel old until you start to feel old. Yeah. And I'm hearing a lot of people, my contemporaries, even Bill Burr, the comedian, was talking about this. Like, you just wake up and your fucking joints are like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't what happened? And um, so please enjoy the ride and have fun where you're at and get out and do new things and take risks and don't be up in your head so much about shit and worried about stuff. It all works out. And... Um, I mean, I had a lot of fun, so it's hard to say have more fun, but um, I just see that kid at 2022 20, coming in this program, so fucking Uptight. weight of the world on his shoulders kind of deal, you know, and, 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 and intense trying to like analyze fucking everything and um, loosen up. Yeah, just take it easy, man. Like it's, that's my favorite phrase in the 11 step guidelines is we relax and take it easy. Yeah. Don't fight. Way before the Eagles fucking coined the phrase. Yeah. Bill Wilson's telling us, take it easy, man. Um, you know, kind of, it parallels to me that question of like, would you have done, what you would have you done different, you know? And that, you know, in my life, what, that question comes up. What would you have done different before? Uh, and I don't think, you know, it kind of goes into that. I don't think I'd have done, I don't know that I can, it's, it's you know, first off, you can't. And it would be, uh, I had to go through what I went through. But then once I got sober, that surrender aspect in me, uh, the trouble I had, the the challenges is what makes you grow. So like to turn around and say that I wish this didn't happen or I wish I'd have done this way or something like that. Uh, how do I know? that? Uh, I think the, the thing of the question is probably looking for tips on somebody who is new in recovery and what can they do what pitfalls might they avoid and yours is perfect as good as maybe as good as it gets man that that loosen up just don't take yourself so seriously don't take anything so damn seriously uh that's what they talk about seeing that how much a, how much stress affects us physically and emotionally both uh, mentally um but that's again it's kind of like a, it's a hard that's a hard thing to say just oh, don't stress out so much you know I, well I can't I've been stressing out for X many years uh, when I heard a speaker not too long ago say you know that took you uh, you walk 50 miles into the woods you gotta walk 50 miles back out uh, you, there's no shortcut back although uh, that said we do have uh, I always say that you know this this methodology we use people get sober fast I mean they get uh, they recover they get well fast and uh people will see guys are like in our crowds people will see and think people have more years than they do so uh we come out of the woods pretty fast but to do something different i can't <clears throat> i can't think of anything that i could like give somebody falls under that i don't know anymore i'll give up the right to know things and to stand here and say that you should or shouldn't do this or that uh, would be I don't know it just doesn't sit well didn't, I don't feel like I'm qualified to give that kind of advice I said in group this past week I said if you want to get on your own if you want to get a leg up on recovery to to progress really fast in a very short time do this one thing when you're starting out get on your own side Mm. Stop being your own worst critic. Stop being your in your own way. Stop picking yourself apart. Start being your your be, own best cheerleader, 
and saying, hey, you know what? You didn't do it perfectly, but you did a fucking awesome job. You tried. You fucking did great today, you know, and stop picking yourself apart in inventory. Oh, you're so terrible. You didn't do this today. No, what'd you do right, man? Uh, Bill Wilson says our inventory isn't just in, in red. It's in black, too. We, we write down the good things we got done today. Um think about the treating yourself after you do your four-step work mm-hmm. that's practicing mm-hmm. being good to you mm-hmm. you know as we don't that's done that doesn't really come natural to us well the world has got enough against you you know just you're going to be fighting so many other things in the world if you're not on your own side when you go out the door you're, you're starting with a serious handicap compared to other people um the other thing i would say to my younger self is is like everybody's dirty everybody's fucked up they don't know any more than you do they put their pants on the same way you fucking do and don't worry about putting them in some sort of position over you in any way shape or form because they're just idiots like you are they only wear a suit or they have a degree on the wall or they have a plaque on their door and makes you think oh they're some kind of big no they're not they're a fucking stupid fucked up human being and whether that's the president or the pope or whoever the fuck it is it's just another bumbling human being that thinks they know something and their ego has convinced them and other people have convinced them by going Oh, almighty so-and-so, you're the best, blah, blah, blah. No, they're just a dumbass human like you are. And I would tell my young, younger self to not be so afraid. Just fucking go for it, man. Just fucking don't worry about what other people think. And don't get all caught up in whether or not you're going to seek their approval and gain it. Because they don't know any more than you do. They only act like they do. Um, and take risks. You know, don't hold back on your dreams. Take risks. You know, what's the worst could happen? You got an experience you can talk about one day that you learned something from. Everything we do in life is is making mistakes to learn. That's what the process of being human is. You know, we say, well, what if I make a mistake? Oh, that's the whole process. You're supposed to make mistakes. Otherwise, you don't learn anything. Right. Yep. And if you don't try it, you'll never know. There's That's one thing I have done right is I did take those risks of going out to California and pursuing that career and finding out it wasn't what I wanted. Otherwise, that would have been a gaping hole in my life wondering about what if. What yep. if I had not done that, you know? Yeah. That's what I've kind of goes along I, I like to say that god laid down sticky notes and gave me ideas you yeah. know and the podcast was one of them you know and did i feel like i could do this or not you know i didn't have any idea but it was in my heart going to yoga teacher training going to mankind take, doing these different things and, and being adventurous uh was a definitely if i uh, i'm very glad that i did those things and i try to coach my people to uh you know let's get through this work and then when you get done with this work blast off do what you know that that thing where I was like, let's just do this for now. Let's don't, don't join the Bible study at church. Don't, you know, uh, <clears throat> no other self-help self-development programs while we're doing this work. But then once we get done with this, grab a hold of everything you can get and, uh, add to the things in your life that, that will, um, improve the quality of your recovery. And I did do that. And in that vein, um, do things that you think you don't want to do. Because I can tell you that when I found myself in a position where financially I had to take a job I wasn't really thrilled about taking, it set me on a five-year career path with a corporation as a manager that really helped me to grow in ways that I, you, you won't appreciate what you're doing today that you think is not related, but in the future you'll look back and you'll say, those skills I'm using today in a different area. Mm-hmm. Um, I know how to run a business. I know how to read a profit loss statement. I know how to fucking manage inventory. I know how to fucking per square foot and all that shit. And, you know, it's like, 
I didn't want to go in that direction. That's the last thing I wanted to do. But it was kind of like finances. You got to go with life. So if life presents you with an opportunity, don't always look and say, but that's not what I want to do because you don't know. Fucking go on the ride. You can change your mind. And today I look back and say, but I'm grateful I had that experience. I've had experiences other people haven't had traveling around the country working for this corporation. And um, people always, just people are so, I don't know how to say this. I don't mean this as an insult, but it's, it makes me sad is what it does. Um, and the sadness is we, we limit ourselves by thinking that um, we're afraid or we don't want to take the risk or whatever it is. But, you know, you hear these stories of people that have just done the same job their whole life or they've lived their same place their whole life and they have these dreams to do something else. You're stopping yourself. That's what I would tell my younger self is you're just don't stop yourself. Don't yeah. get in your own don't way. Don't get man. in your own way. Yeah. Again, worst that's going to happen is it didn't work out. So you just could change and do something else. It's not never the end of the world. That's the other thing I would tell young people. It's never the end of the world for real. Your brain thinks it's going to be the end of the world. Oh my God, but what if I fail? It's going to be so awful. It's like everybody fails. Yep. And if it's that bad, retreat and punt. Greatest people we look up into society, celebrities, stars, whatever, you know, they all failed. Every one of them has stories of failing. Yep. That's one of the, you were looking at those chips that Andy Andrews uh, had, tells a lot of those stories about where people, you know, there's some of them are almost uh, well, like Abraham Lincoln and, you know, the failures he had in his life before becoming president. And, and I do like the way that Andy Andrews got all these characters throughout history that, that took chances and failed and ended up, you know, something really great turned out you know to happening to them as a result of those failures they didn't risk because they didn't quit yeah yeah yep keep on marching that's what chris had just come in to say she was going to work mm-hmm. uh, the best thing about recovery though is you'll have very few regrets recovery does free you so that you will try new things yep. and like you said the yoga teacher training and everything and it's the value of a sponsor too that if you say something uh you can bounce that off somebody else and you you know we have these tools like that am i am i going the wrong what do you think does mm-hmm. it sound like i'm going the wrong direction and then you got somebody to help you walk through this thing and you're not like out there on the limb by yourself um in your support group and then you know when you when you practice this prayer thing too you i know you know i don't always get yeses when i pray but I will get, I will feel no's. <laughs> um, what if you want to call it a gut feeling or whatever you want to call it? If I spend some time on my decision on which way to go, I will usually kind of get an answer. So between a support group, a sponsor, and my prayer work, I'm really not stepping in any potholes too often. And that, that sponsor is so vital in your first year because your brain is so compromised, you're going to make terrible decisions on your own. Yeah. And every time this happens, it just happened this past week, I had somebody leave the group because they got a job. Mm-hmm. They didn't run it past anybody. They didn't, I mean, I, I, I don't know, I can't say that entirely, but I just sit back and I just go, okay. That's an interesting. Okay, I'll close out your chart. Have a good life. Pothole to have to, I have to get to work. I have, you know, I'm, I'm here trying to save the rest of my life, but they're listening first to I their own to head. job. Yeah. They're listening to their own head and all these fears and saying, you know, I'll be destitute if I don't, I'll be eating out of a dog food can. Really? Is it that at that point? Or are you just fucking building into that point so that the disease is trying to convince you to leave treatment? Yep. Yep. 
that hijacking operating system it, it'll do a lot of cunning baffling and powerful on what it wants to, what it will do to pull you away from this just like so driving that, that ant to the end of the branch to be eaten by the bird so the bird can shit it out and propagate the virus it's fucking insanity man it's it like is. you know it's a job that's not and it's a jobby job it's not a career job it's not more important than your life yeah but they want me to start right away really Really, like if you had told but them, but it's seventeen dollars an hour. If you had told them, I need one more week to finish this class. You really think they would have just been like, "Oh, fuck you, then." Yeah, that's the other <laughs> thing, you know, and that's kind of like it wraps up about that question earlier about our shame around it. If you would go to your employer and tell them the truth and say, "Look, I'm in this. Uh, can I have another week?" I, I think they almost have to. They almost legally have to say yes. Uh, and if they're not, if they would tell you no, I'm not sure I want to go to work there. If that's a way that they're going to operate with me as a human being. I agree uh, with that. I have yet to see anybody go to their employers. Now, I'm sure there's exceptions, but my personal experience, I've have yet, yet to see somebody go to their employer with hat in hand and tell them the honest truth about what's going on and then end up being hurt by it. I've never seen in fact, it happen. blessings come out of it. Blessings yep. where it's like they have a relative that needs help and they want to ask right. you questions or something. Yep, yep, yep. More times than not. It actually is... Uh, yeah, let's see what uh, God had plans. They weren't yours. Mm-hmm. Is it your turn? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Random draw. <laughs> I figures I would get this one. Get a paragraph. This is from Hot Dude at AOL dot com. <laughs> All right, Hot Dude, what do you got for us this morning, gentlemen? I thought I would plant a seed with this and see what grows, dot, dot, dot. Kind of a question, but more of a template for other things. These are designed to be something to spark conversation and a laugh, or maybe three. All right. Uh, tentative first draft name is never once or always. The question poses three choices, and you guys decide which goes in what category. This is the Celebrity Speaker AA edition and a bit of a softball to get things started. The choices are hmm. Don Major, Earl Hightower, and Scott Lee. Hmm. You pick one to never get to hear, one to hear once, and one to hear whenever you want. Always. Don Majors, Earl it's Hightower, and Scott Lee. It's kind of a play on the fuck, Mary kill. Mm -hmm. Never get to hear one to hear once and one to hear whenever you want to. You're welcome to swap out, out those, the names to something easier or harder if you want to. Those uh, Out of those names, it is a little bit of a tough thing, but I know, I don't know, I grew so much from listening to Scott Lee early on that uh, he would have to be my always. And... I, I honestly say those three are tough from that because I was such an audio addict and still am. Uh, that's another thing. Like if I could restart from when I first got sober, back up a minute. One of the things was I poured tons of recovery audio into my head. I, I washed my brain by listening to that uh, all the time. I would sit and listen to in my waking hours. I poured recovery audio into my ears and again, looked in the rearview mirror about how valuable that was. Um, and those three guys were on my list. Uh, they were always, uh, Earl was the very first, 
I didn't even know what speaker tape was, right? We don't know shit when we get here, right? And some guy gives me, asks me about speaker tapes, and I don't know what he's talking about. Then he even switches it up, and instead of giving me a tape, he gives me a link on the internet. So I'm like, what do you mean speak? This is not a tape. This is a link. And it was Earl Hightower, and I found myself uh, laughing and crying listening to his story then it was the very first very first recovery speaker i ever listened to and uh and i kind of carried that on because it worked for me and i'll i will give people that link uh brand new too because and i and i emphasize the value of these teachers and um putting you know feeding my brain with it so earl would have to be the once and then i I, no nothing no offense against don but in that if you're going to rank those three that's how it goes for me that i uh Don would come last on that, and that's kind of a shame since we just lost him, and he is a giant in our recovery world, and he does uh, play a role in my daily thing and my, you know, some of the lessons I've got out of Don's uh, daily meditations I still carry with me, like you were talking about a little bit ago, except for in a different thing where Don says uh, that no big deals. You know, that's that making heavy going a life, the opposite of that. And and I tell myself that quite often. This is no big deal. This is no big deal. And I ask my, is this really a big deal? No, nope, it's not a big deal. So uh, I don't know. I tell that. I don't know if I, when I first started listening to that stuff and I started liking recovery audio, there was something in my brain that made me think I should find somebody local because these California people and New York people and stuff, you know, they weren't. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't relate to them, so to speak. I could, but my brain was telling me I couldn't. So I Googled AA speakers in uh, local. So I did Indiana, I did Louisville, I did Kentucky, and Don Major popped up, Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, <clears throat> and I listened to him, and I really, I was like, oh, dang, that that's good stuff. And uh, the following, that same week, I went down to the Token Club to a meeting and just walked in a random meeting and it was a birthday meeting for a guy, Larry, and uh, and Dom was speaking. <laughs> no and, shit. and that was that same, you know, because you kind of, it's another thing about like putting him on a pedestal, you know. Oh, and absolutely. You t- uh, so I had this guy up on this pedestal. I had rock no, stars, man. Let's yeah, admit it. You know, no you hear idea. a guy on a tape and you get a picture in your head of what they look like and who they are. And they're like, oh my God, I get to see him in person. It's like a rock star. Yeah. Ah, you know? Yep. And I, you know, I just went sitting in this packed out meeting. And the other thing was, is that they weren't smoking in the token club. Yeah. And it's a smoking token. And usually you go in there and it was like the old days of the bars, man. There's that ceiling of smoke in the place. Awful. I hated it. I just don't even go any. I, I actually finally went, you know what? There's plenty of meetings around. I don't need to go do this one. Uh, <clears throat> it's just not worth it. You come home, you have to. I remember times when I first started going there, I was still married. I would come in the back entrance of my house and down through to the laundry room and ditch my clothes down by the laundry before I would go up <laughs> in the house. Because if I throwed them smoky clothes in my hamper in the bottom of my closet, it made all the rest of my clothes smell like cigarette smoke. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, and that's, there was a, you know, we talk about God shots and miracles and things like that. I remember that feeling coming over me of that tingle when they announced that Don May, Don M was the speaker tonight and, uh, just the hair stood up on end and, uh, it was really a moving moment for me. You know, I looked at it as, you know, God helping me in my recovery, but those are two tough. Those are some tough names. There's a lot of good speakers out there though. And I wouldn't, uh. I don't think I've ever listened to a speaker that I said I wished I hadn't listened to. I have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, not necessarily wish I hadn't listened to, but I didn't listen to the whole story. 
And uh, you get to a certain point, it's like, all right, this is a drunk. I've turned some this off. This is a drunk log, or this is just not really. If it's just not adding anything, it's just to not my landing. Life. I have turned some off. Yeah, um, I couldn't tell you who they were. You know, I was thinking when you were talking, it's like each speaker you listen to offers a different angle. Yep. And you know, if I think about these guys, it's like I agree. I think Roger Tower, Roger Hightower, brings the the humor and the it's lightness. Earl. Don't take yourself too seriously. Earl Hightower. Earl Hightower. Sorry. And um, I think there is a speaker named Roger Hightower too. Yeah, that's our local boy. That's yep. why I thought about that. Uh, he's no longer local. I think he's in Florida now. Or yeah, something. I think so. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Don brings the humility piece. You know, the, the trying to learn how to treat your fellow man with more respect and compassion. And then Scott Lee's a teacher. I mean, he's a leader. He's got that military training. So he, when he teaches, it has that authority of like, you feel like your fucking drill sergeant yeah. is telling you, this is what Professor. you gotta do, you know? It's like Top Gun with the guy up front and you're sitting there in your seats and he's telling you, if you gotta, you gotta do this or you're gonna die. Um, so that's how the list for me, though, is I'd have to give it to the local boy. I guess I'd put Roger Hightower once because he is hilarious, but I got a lot out of Don's humility pieces, and he's the local boy, so I'll give him slot number two. But yeah, Scott Lee's obviously one of my favorite teachers ever. Um, but when I think about teachers in general, there's so many good ones. Bob Olson from Colorado is phenomenal. Don Pritz from New York, he's, he's good for that old school AA, the history and all that shit. Knows more about Bill. I think met Bill and all that. Uh, ran in that tight circle. He's the one that started them in Colorado, actually. Um, he's a, Bob Olson's a student of his. Johnny Hodges from California is probably the most humble dude that's taught me so much about peace of mind and Bob Bazant's from the Buddhist approach and all the struggles he's had in recovery from Minnesota. Uh, and then, of course, Lewis. our favorite, yeah, Keith Lewis, is definitely my favorite speaker, period, I think, because he's just got so impassioned about that what name. he shares. Um, his line about, you know, when I was a kid and I went to church, my my mother, she saw angels and, and she felt love and she would sing the choir and she was happy. And all I saw is this guy nailed to a cross. <laughs> And I thought to myself, even at that young age, if this is what God would do to his only son, what chance do I have? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I can relate to you, brother. I still don't understand that. And I don't mean to offend anybody, but if the central hallmark of your church is going to be a dead body hanging from a cross, I, I, know, I know, I get it. It's the mystery and the, the majesty of the cross and all that. But I'm just like, I, I don't know if that's what Jesus would want to be remembered for. I mean, he was a fucking amazing teacher and taught so many great ways to live life. And this is what we're going to focus on is that we killed him. I get it. He died for our sins, but I don't, don't, I sometimes question whether he himself would come back to earth and be like, really, this is what you fucking remember me for. This is what, this is the one thing, not love thy neighbor. You didn't put that at the fucking fucking front of the church. You put me stoned and fucking thorns on my head and fucking nails through my hands. That's what you put at the front of the church. Anyway, side sidebar there. Um, and, of course, our boy, man, Bob Earl. I mean, Bob Earl was mm-hmm. a revolutionary. And AA owes him a great debt because the AA we have today, he had a major hand in turning that tide and pissed off a lot of old timers for it. And they're probably still pissed off and they're rolling in their graves. But we needed to evolve. And it was Dr. Burns Brady, my sponsor himself, who always pointed out one of Bill Wilson's last writings before he died, AA will 
and must change in the future. That's for all you old folks out there. A a will and must change. And if we don't adapt, then the kids aren't going to come and we're going to lose our, our, our fellowship. We have to move with the times and evolve and learn. And this is why Bill wrote the 12 and 12 book, because he learned so much in that 14 years that he was sober. He's like, I didn't know jack shit when I was writing the big book. I need to write this now. And there's a lot of people who have never read that book. And anybody that says everything I need to know is in the first 164 pages, well, you just threw away every other piece of literature that Bill Wilson ever wrote, including his fantastic piece on emotional sobriety that he wrote for the Grapevine magazine. It's like, how short-sighted is that? Yep. But that's his fundamental And not shit. to mention all the other work that's out there. You know? And he warned us. Bill Wilson said, we can't afford to be fundamentalistic. We, it's going to drive our movement into the grave if we don't maintain an open mind and seek other teachers, which yeah. he says in the big book, other practitioners, other practitioners, practitioners of various kinds. But I just want to give a thanks to all those speakers. And I'll give a thanks to Sarge, my, my sponsor. When I came back to Louisville, you know, um, people say, why'd you pick Sarge as your sponsor? Because I saw this man walk through a challenge of brain cancer and he would still come to the meeting smiling and happy and sharing his story and fucking fucked up from the surgeries and stuff. And I said, how the fuck do you go through that? And I wanted to learn from that. Well, because I was willing to have a teacher I never thought would fit for me, I did something different. He's the guy that started feeding me these speaker tapes. He did. Every week, he'd have a couple more for me. He's, oh, you like that? I'll get you this one. Oh, you like that guy? I'll get you this one. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> I mean, that was the beginning of my genesis into that more advanced state of recovery was listening to these masters. Yeah. And I know people that put down circuit speakers and think, oh, it's all about ego. And just, Yeah, well, let's see you travel. You know, these guys, when they talk about the taxing commitment, of having to leave their families on a Friday afternoon and they just got off work and they're exhausted and they want to have a weekend and enjoy yeah. it and they're going and traveling to someplace they don't even know where they're going and yeah. spend their whole weekend giving away because everybody's like hey can I have a minute of your time I just want to thank you boo boo and you're like hey, hey you gotta be nice you know put on a smile and shake their hand and yeah. all that shit and then you get home on Sunday and you're exhausted you gotta go right back to work yep yep That's you do that buddy sacrifice. if you're gonna put these people down yeah and they didn't get to be speakers for no reason. I mean, they don't get asked to go share at these conferences and stuff. They, you know, they, they're damn good speakers, and and it, and, it, and it impacted me uh, maybe as much as anything else I did. I agree. Was, uh, because, you know, because masters, fucking masters, man. I sit around and and I had attached everything in my life to drinking and using mm -hmm. music. It was years before I could even listen to music again because it just it, it didn't it didn't land on the it didn't fit where I was trying to be because it took my mind back there. Same thing with the TV, uh, the news. I still feel that feeling today when I get bits of news that turns me off, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, that gave me something to to listen to and 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 uh, do something different. That was and all nowadays, new to me. man. There's no excuse. You've it's got the You've got the thing right in your pocket. Yep. Get on YouTube. It's that easy. Get on this podcast. It's so fucking <laughs> easy. I mean, I can't believe how easy it is compared to me and my little Walkman back yep. in the day. Swapping tapes the tape. out of <laughs> glove boxes and stuff. 
Oh, oh man, is. you know, I That's like cool. that guy in the movie American Beauty when he's talking to this kid who's selling him pot. He's like, man, he says, I spent a whole summer working at this burger joint just so I could afford new speakers for my car or whatever. And the kid says, that sucks. And he goes, no, actually, it was great. It's the best time of my life. Yeah. And so I look back on the tapes and I'm like, I enjoyed nothing more than making copies for people and then putting your writing the label and putting the label on there and giving it to people. And hell, don't get me started about mixtapes, man. And it's participating girlfriends is making a mixtape back in the day. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, man, I can't say enough about speakers. Please listen to them. They're available to you at at just a touch of a button. It's thank, a, uh, thank you for the question. Yeah, it is. A, and I'll tell you, I have a hard time getting people to do it. I know. Uh, busy, busy, busy. And you know what they're listening to on the way to work? Bob and Tom or some other bullshit yeah. show. Yeah, and got the all news it is, on. It's like the most rancid, negative thinking. Here's the most horrible thing that happened in the news. Let's just butcher these people in, in public. And all oh, this star got caught driving drunk. And oh, blah, blah. It's like, oh my God, dude. Yeah. And you're going to go into work and wonder why you feel like it sucks to be alive and you hate your job, man. Yep. It's a emotional diet. It's yeah. uh, junk food. Yep. Garbage in, garbage out. And not man. to say you can't partake occasionally, but Lord, if you live on that shit, it's going to affect you. And especially when you're early and you're trying to change. Yeah. Uh, you know, what they said, you, know, you got to change everything. Uh, it's one thing that's pretty easy to change, what you're listening to. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't even really take any effort. You're listening to something. Yes. There's nobody running and around. you have more not, time than you think if you're on the treadmill or going for a jog or whatever. You know, put their headphones in, in and traffic. listen to something. Yes, yeah, sitting in traffic, absolutely. Sitting in the doctor's office. Doctor's office, yep. Yep, it's a uh, super bad. And I still do. I still do. I'll be doing that or at work or something. And I'll start laughing out loud because I can't help myself. And they're like, what the fuck is he, what's what's he, he laughing, laughing at? It's like, man, I got the ear, I got the earbuds in. I'm not just laughing because I'm crazy. <laughs> I'll give Toby a shout out. He's all, he's still really like, I'm sorry, but I get really like possessed when people interrupt me, man. And they got interrupted with stupid questions, man. You know, it's like gossip or some stupid question. I'm like, dude, I'm just, let me put my notes in the charts and I'm listening to the speaker and I'm in the zone. And they would be talking about heavy shit. If I was to do a podcast about the neuroscience of God, like Haberman this past week or something, and I'm sitting here going, and you wanted to ask me what? This guy's breaking it down, man. He's telling us the meaning of life right here. But then again, you know, we always feel like we're different and weird as X and alcoholics. And just one more example, it's like, what are you listening to? Oh, I was hearing what this celebrity wore on the red carpet at the Emmys. I was just, you know, what the yeah, fuck? The, Who cares? Uh, the latest clickbait drama in Who the... Who cares, man? I'm into some heavy shit here. And they have no idea. I always laugh when I'm listening to certain things and they're like, they have no idea what I'm listening to right now. Anyway, sidebar. Yeah. Go ahead with that next question. Uh, uh, one guy who who bit into the speaker tapes was Toby. He is always Toby. sharing with me what he's hearing on 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 I call the internet. Meister Jones, yeah. just like Casey Jones from Grateful Dead. Meister Jones, you better watch your speed. <laughs> I don't I think he thinks this is funny as I do, but I think it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is from NoTolerance at Gmail dot com. When the spiritual malady is overcome, how else can we straighten out besides mental and physical aspect? Besides the mental and physical aspect. 
that kind of cut off a little bit. I lost a couple letters on the end of there. I'm pretty sure that says straighten out besides mental and physical. Well, the book says those two will happen, and mm-hmm. I do believe it. You have to do your part, too. Uh, I just find it's never ending. There's always something to be working on. If you think that, you know, when you reach my age and my time in sobriety that you coast, it's not my experience. There's always a new issue. Right now I'm dealing with medical stuff. I'm dealing with, you know, growing older. I'm dealing with, you know, common shit of balancing life and the things I want to do. And that is one gift of recovery, but it's also a challenge is you've got so many options of things to do. You have to have balance where you also have time for yourself and especially as a writer i've got to have time so but you know lord where do you want to start on what else is there to work on yeah um i'll tell you what i admire is the people that come in early and for anybody that's early in recovery want to take advantage of this and they get immediately with the idea that i'm going to do full recovery which means my diet and my exercise and that you'll see them at meetings and they're glowing you know now that person might have one year or two years recovery but they to a newcomer coming in that person looks like man you got your shit together because you're in great shape and you look like you're healthy and blah 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 you know we as addicts and alcoholics we have terrible diets and we have terrible sleep habits and we stay up too late and we we fucking (laughs) and so god when it comes to our bad habits how much is there not to straighten out besides the spiritual malady jesus lord yeah and you know everybody's got stuff we need to stop doing whether if it's smoking or whatever like that that's detrimental to you Procrastinating, but it falls under you the know? you know everything would kind of most everything anyway would fall under the mental and physical you know it's usually one of those two things it's either in my head or in my body i don't really have a whole lot more uh, well that's where it generates from i get that piece but to extrapolate what i think they're trying to say is like you know well we got relationships you got balancing job yeah. and family you've got you know paying your bills you've got you know being yeah. on time paying your bills take care of yourself you know, as you said take care of yourself brushing your damn teeth yeah. shit like that yeah. go to the dentist yeah uh, yeah no shit go yeah. to your doctor's appointments do the tests start taking care of yourself like uh like uh, treat yourself like you're worth something i don't mind walking my guys through their first colonoscopy i've got another one coming up in two weeks and it's like uh no big deals man you're, you're making this a bigger fucking deal than it needs to be yeah again Just john's message no be big responsible deal. man take care of yourself i do uh so hard like, for us to show up though to show up for appointments and do those things that's just normal life yeah and then we are our uh, negative bias that we're worried to shit something we're gonna find out some bad news fear fear and yet what does everybody <clears throat> say everybody's a medical professional says you want to know earlier rather than later yeah you know if you find earlier it might be a small everything's deal. early detection yeah i always say too that uh if bill was gonna add two more steps to the and we have 14 steps it'd be one of them would be exercise and one would be nutrition mm-hmm. um and you do I, there's a line in the in the uh doctor's opinion where where he says any any and i should pick it up but anything that leaves out the physical factor is incomplete mm-hmm. and uh that rang a bell on me because like real early in recovery i started doing all that yoga and it helped me a big time and it's actually one of my suggestions for new people you know, if you don't have some kind of exercise routine, start one. And I don't care if it's walking, you know, something. Get up and move your body and you will feel better. 
Uh, and you watch guys that do that take advantage of that. And like you said, you know, they do, they glow. You can see it on them as a result of them. Um, <clears throat> Cause this is at some level, this is all about feeling better. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's mm-hmm. what, you, cause the alcohol and the dope used to make you feel better. You thought it did. And it, and it did. I, I felt good. And you know, it worked real good until it stopped working. So anything I do in recovery that makes me feel better, we're feel better machines almost that's why we eat this stuff that you know it tastes good um and if you will get up and and if you'll watch what you put in your body and get yourself some exercise it will pay off dividends that you won't believe the other thing i think happens to us is we get this misguided notion that your growth or your spiritual development it always has to be this stellar high level amazing shit and i want to advocate for just a moment for the small shit that we had to learn how to do and to practice that as a as a discipline like paying your bills on time showing up for your doctor's appointments making those doctor's appointments getting your oil changed taking care of your fucking car take care of your fucking house not letting shit go you know and how many addicts do you know you know their house is in a disarray or whatever and again it's just us i get it but that shit is like harder and almost a better representation of your spiritual health but it's not heralded you know what's heralded well you're sponsoring all these people and you're making all you did so many fist steps and no what's you what about fucking taking care of your family about you know being a responsible citizen and voting i don't believe in that shit well yeah whether you believe in it or not it is a responsibility if you want to live in a democracy that is something you should do now whether you do it or not that's up to you but it's hard that's what i'm trying to make the point it is hard to fucking fit that shit in yeah but i'm busy that day and i gotta go to a fucking place and i gotta sign up get you registered and and yeah i know dude but your sponsor's here to help you with that shit and sometimes i'll sit back and i'm just amazed at the serenity of not having shit going on because i picked up this chip earlier and on the back of it said have a lot going on right yeah you don't have a lot going on when you keep up with your shit yeah my bills are not late so i'm not freaking out today i don't have like chores wait for me at home except for weekly shit i gotta do because i keep up with it right and that's hard yeah with a capital h yep and so i always want to make a case for that when it comes to spiritual development if you see these old timers and they seem fucking happy or calm or peaceful it's because we're just doing our shit yeah and that's not easy man it is not easy you think i want to do this prep for this colonoscopy in two weeks i'd much rather say fuck y'all let me just die from cancer if that's what no i don't want to die from cancer but you know you got to suit up and show up man that's more than just going to meetings yeah life creates enough fires that the ones that you can manage these these things that don't have to be fires like your bills and your health and other things like that don't create your own fires and you know in my profession if you don't get ahead of your paperwork you get buried quickly mm-hmm. and you know trying to put shit off for tomorrow does not work and yeah. you, you've got to get that shit done because there's more people coming tomorrow and before you know it you're behind um and it shouldn't work but when you have a higher power and you're working these principles everything just gets mapped out i know i had a guy we had a guy in our group might be the friend we're talking about here who was talking about, I'm working and I got to go to school and I got to take care of my family and I don't know, I don't know if I have time to sponsor people. I'm saying, dude, don't stop. No. My experience was when I was at the busiest time in my life doing those exact same things you're doing, if I sponsored people, then everything worked out. Then everything sort of the time was there, the test got passed, this paperwork got in just in time. It's like God took care of their part when I was taking care of my part. Don't yeah. give up on the spiritual program Amen. just because you're busy. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, 
always say the skids are greased most of the time you know things just happen and uh, I have you know I don't know there was a piece when you're early like what am I going to do with my time you know if I'm not <laughs> you know but now I'm able to do fantastic amounts of stuff and it doesn't even feel like a burden you know it doesn't I look back and I'm where'd I get all the energy and where'd I get the time to complete the things you know be ahead most of the time especially when or I was I, using right where the hell the hell did I pull that off yeah but if I would start where a newcomer might be starting with to make it simple choose one area you're struggling with and take it to your sponsor like god damn it I can't pay my bills on time or god damn it I'm not taking care of my kids enough or spending enough time with them or I'm too, watching too much fucking TV or playing too many video games or whatever so look at those areas now let me flip it on its head for a second here there is another area of spiritual development that I feel like I've done very well to teach my friend Dan about. And that is the area of there's value in doing nothing. Yep. There's value in watching a show that you want to watch and just click out of life for a little bit and relax. There's value in playing video games. There's value in enjoying yourself with that balance. Otherwise, it's all just program and work and you will burn out taking naps but how hard was that for you to not yeah, be just, a human doing and try to work on being a human being for amen. a while just yep. existing it's and, still a struggle yeah but I'm you better like at it, it. you like I'm a lot it, better at it i mean you come over and watch I, the shows with me you yep. have a good time and uh you know uh i would almost feel like if i was going to take a nap i would have to sneak it i couldn't let anybody catch me <laughs> off my feet you know and i'm a napping fool today i mean it really uh i take a nap five days a week easy and it won't be long, but I have to, I found the value in it. You know, it's, I have so much more energy if I will shut off. It's somewhat like the value of meditation. It's a similar kind of thing where I'm going to sit still for a little bit and then I can get back up and get to doing what I need to be doing. So how many people would think that would be a part of spiritual development? Napping? Yeah, no, yeah. doing nothing. Doing nothing. Like learning a, that balance to have fun, that balance to click off and be a kid and yep. do goofy shit and just have, you know it's not all work and yeah. it's not all you know. that is a great line that be a human being instead of a human doing because i had a whole lot of my self-worth wrapped up in how much i could get done you know uh, uh and i and i still you know it's kind of funny that dad moved in with me because he was he did not i will say today that he did not put this on me but my need for his approval made me go 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 and so that he would be proud of me for everything i'm doing mm -hmm. um and then and but like when he didn't live with me i could hide and you know when he moved in with me it caused me to grow because now i got you know i have to let him see me and then he's like uh we we joke around and we'll say i'll say well i'm gonna go down and lay my head down for a little bit and he said me too you know <laughs> and we nap together separately you know and it's been a it's been good for me to uh to it's interesting these things these lessons that that god will give you uh, that are accidents like that. I'd really do. Uh, Dad moving in here has uh, allowed me to grow in that way to where I can uh, I can take some time for myself and not feel guilty about it. I can sleep late and not feel guilty about it. It's it's endemic to our society. So I do lay the responsibility at the hands at the feet of my family, and at the country I was raised in, because you are what you do in my family. It's like, well, what yep. did you get done today? If you laid around and did nothing your value was nothing yeah. okay it wasn't you weren't still loved on the same level it was very conditional love yeah. like if you get good grades then you're loved you achieve this we love you even more um, yeah and 
it's hard to learn that lesson that I don't have to seek those other people's approval. The one story that's always stuck with me, I'll never forget it, when this woman, she said she was in Al-Anon for years and uh, she's learning how to speak her own truth and not need other people's approval. But when it comes to your parents, so she's a nurse and she worked a 10 day shift and she's exhausted and she finally got a day off and she just said, I just wanna lay here like a slug, eat chocolates and watch TV and I'm just gonna relax. And in the middle of doing that, her mom calls her. And her mom asked her the worst question you can ask somebody. <laughs> what are you doing? And she started making shit up. Oh, I'm doing this and I'm busy doing that. And she's like, wait a minute. Why could I not just tell my mom I am laying here on my ass not doing a goddamn thing? And I love telling that and showing that to my sponsees. Because sometimes they'll call you and say, well, what are you up to? What are you doing? It's like nothing. I'm sitting here looking at you. I'm sitting here scratching my ass. I ain't doing nothing. Yeah, I'm just laying <laughs> and they're like, here. They're like scratching her head. Oh, I guess that's okay. Yeah, it is more than okay. Yep. Where did we get this idea that you have to be in motion at all times? Yep. And I just wonder too, like how much in, unintentional uh, that happens, like through in, just flat out encouragement that when you say, you know, I got this, I got A on my test today, and you just they just encourage you, not in any kind of like you know negative kind and there's nothing in them that makes them that they're uh that they're creating an atmosphere of love for achievement but just the fact that you're getting encouraged as a young mind and all that that's what you learn that's what you hear uh and i think that's the way it went with dad dad was always proud of me for doing stuff and it wasn't that he was he didn't do it to me but he did it to me right right Uh, it's a, but then you it's got that weird. higher authority figure of our whole monetary monetized society. Yeah, there's this. I know society does it. Too. There's this gif I have on my phone of this cat who's just sitting there. She's just chilling, and somebody has put a little plastic wheelbarrow. It, they put it superimposed that on there, and it says in the, underneath the cat chilling. It says me at work, and all of a sudden the cat goes like this, and it jumps up and starts pushing the wheelbarrow, and it's like. We feel like somebody's always watching us yep. and looking over our shoulder like I'm supposed to be fucking doing something. Yep. Sitting in a cubicle at work, man, and just sitting there not doing a damn thing. And you hear them footsteps come by and you're up on the computer. And I'm the exact opposite. Like during lunch and shit, I'll have my feet kicked up on the desk. I'm leaning back. My boss walks in. I'm like, what's up? <laughs> and I couldn't do that before. Right. I didn't have that yep. strength of self or my center to say it's okay for people to see me in repose yeah. or relax. I had to have everything in perfect shape and looking good at all times. Yeah. So that's another gift of recovery. Um, but please, if you don't do anything else, this is what I do. It's worked out really well for me. I started doing this in my first year of recovery. Take one day a week for you. If you can't afford one day, take several hours. Call it me time and be honor it turn off the fucking phone unplug and do what you want to do and me taking those walks on sunday afternoons and going down to the fucking lake and feeding the fucking ducks and squirrels with that one loaf of bread i could afford to buy besides my cigarettes and listen to my music and getting in touch with nature which was my higher power to begin with started my whole path and that's where i learned to unplug and every time I did that when I went to work on Monday I was happier mm-hmm. if I didn't have time to do that I'd go to work on Monday like this fucking life and this bullshit's all working now god damn it the time for myself well you didn't make time for yourself man and then when you have kids you have to have extra special alert to this and work yeah. with your partner or your family members or your friends to take the kids at times so you can have some time for yourself Amen. Um, but that is a vital piece of your spiritual program and if you're not doing that you might not be very happy Another reason why you see old-timers smiling all the time. They're taking care of themselves. 
They've yeah. learned to value themselves and say, I'm worth it to just relax today. Yeah, I like that. What uh, are you doing? Not a goddamn thing. Stop calling me. And most people know better than to call me on a fucking Sunday. Try to teach them that shit. Yeah. Now, I don't mind hearing from them. If you want to leave me a poll or text me, I love that. But don't be fucking calling me and making me work. And it's always a newcomer. It's like, hey, can I talk to you about something? I got something or, going on. Hey, man, you know, it's really important. I got your number from the home office, and I need to talk to you right away. Yeah, right away. Well, you're going to wait, pal, because this is my Sunday. And even if you're dying, now, if I know you and you're in my spot Z and you're in trouble, obviously I'm there for you. Yeah. That's a that's a 911 situation. But everything for a newcomer is a 911 situation. You learn that as a therapist is like i need you to call me right away uh-huh and then when i call them they don't answer <laughs> they're out getting high <laughs> or the problem's already been fixed you know and you're like okay so i can see how urgent it was so but learn how to disengage from that and goddamn unplug yeah put on some chill music instead of listening to all the garbage all the time and just i learned to use my do not disturb button on my, my whole fucking just home is chill it. man all they do is burn incense and play chill music and and non-beats fucking background white noise brown noise shit you walk in my place you're like huh i can feel it. it's kind of chill in here <laughs> yeah by design, man. I don't want all that noise and stuff. And then I have other people I sponsor on their polos. How much background noise, oh, dogs and kids and things going on. I'm like, and they're completely unaware that that might be affecting their serenity. Yeah. They're just used to it. They're, they say, well, they, I've been living with this. Yeah. But what if it's taking a toll on you? Yeah. And you're not aware of Not it. aware of it. Yeah. Like that. Uh, Peterson's got one of them in his 12 rules is take care of or treat yourself like someone you care about. And that's Love pretty that. simple. Love yeah. that. Uh, it's a look Learning out. to like yourself is a big challenge in recovery. It is. It's another miracle. It's another one of the best things about recovery is that uh, I'll say today, I tell people I'm my best friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I look out for myself. I told that uh, story. Not one. in a selfish way, but in a self-care way. That I'm going to make certain that you're not going to waste my time. I'm going to make certain that, you know, I do the things I want to do that are important to me and it's a priority today, whether that's working on my book or whether that's helping others or whatever it is. But but I'm going to set that agenda. I'm not going to let the world set it for me right. by living up to their expectations of who they think I should be. I remember this guy in our group one time asked me to, what do you say? He's, I got to make sure I get this right. He said, um, I need you to speak on a Sunday, blah, 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 blah. And this is the time. And he just sort of laid it out like this was the way it was going to be. And I was like, well, excuse me, but on Sundays I take this time for me. And as a therapist, and I've learned now, this is another trick. Don't explain yourself to people. Don't even fucking bother. Just set the boundary and just let it stay. But I made the mistake of saying, you know, I'm a therapist and I got to do this for myself. If I don't recharge, I'm no good to my patients come Monday because I got a whole week of madness coming up and I better take some time for me. They don't get that because they're not a fucking therapist. So they say, well, geez, that's a good attitude. You know, like I'm supposed to be Mr. AA or something. No, don't put me in that position. I'm a fucking human being first. I'm always going to be a human being first. Then I'm AA member, whatever. But I'm not trying to live up to any kind of mantle you're putting out for me that, oh, well, I'm supposed to be like, oh, you need me to speak right now. Okay, well, I'm giving my whole day. Now, again, if somebody's dying and it's a 12-step call and it is urgent and you can tell, you get a gut feeling when something's real, real, I'll visit you in the hospital. I'll be there. I'll do what I got to do. But you better take those cases one by one and not sacrifice yourself. If I do sacrifice myself, what does that lead to? Resentment. And resentment is number one offender. And you'd be amazed how a little pebble grows into a stone, goes into a boulder. And before you know it, you're thinking, fuck this world. Fuck this shit. Maybe I should just drink. Because why? Because you didn't take 
take care of yourself with that one thing. You should have spoken your truth and say, I don't want to. Yep. How hard is that to say no? I, no, thank you. No, thank you. I really don't want to speak. And I really don't want to speak at a meeting where you've only got 20 minutes for me to fucking speak. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't agree with that. If you're going to have a speaker meeting, you know, a lead, I get it. But at the same time, don't call it a speaker meeting. Yeah. A speaker meeting is not a 10 or 15, 20 minute little lead. It is I can't weird. tell my story in yeah. fucking 15 or 20 minutes. Get invited to go do That's a not even worth putting lead. my clothes on for. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Get invited to go do a five now, minute If that's lead. your tolerance and it's something you want to do, again, we're all individuals. But that is part of learning to love yourself is treating yourself as an individual and saying it's okay that I'm that way because it's what makes me me. And now my friend Dan here he has his own things when he goes to the cabin and he goes hunting that's not me but it's him and i can appreciate that and share that with him and honor that that's his jam but you got to learn what your jam is and start to honor it if you don't you won't be happy in life yep that goes that adage of not being able to pour from an empty pitcher Mm -hmm. if i don't take care of myself and fill up me then i really got nothing for anybody else either it just ends up My sacrificing all across the board still try to step over those boundaries they can't help it it's just habitualized yeah. right but i'll get these group texts because suddenly there's this issue that we got to deal with now it doesn't have to be dealt with today but they thought feel like it needs to be dealt with today and Lack so the, the the text will eventually get around to where are you because <laughs> i'm not responding god forbid you posted this an hour ago and I haven't responded within an hour well I'm sorry but I'm writing and my phone is in the other fucking room the world is going to wait while I do the thing I care most about I don't care if that's taking care of your kids or what let the world wait turn that shit off man nothing happens I will tell you the world doesn't come to an end you don't lose friends and if you lose them they weren't your friend to begin with it's not as horrible as you think it's going to be if you're not available 24 fucking seven. Yeah. I love that. I love turning that shit off and looking at it when I want to. Another one of the best things is that I've realized that problems don't have to be, decisions don't have to be made right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you get into that whack-a-mole, it falls into that busyness kind of thing too. You know, something pops up and you got to whack it and something pops up, yes. you got to whack it and something yeah. pops up, Especially, you got to whack it. Especially, I'll bet you know this one, when a sponsee leaves a question on a polo. Yeah. I had that just happen the other day. It's like, you know, I want, really want to know what you think. Should I do this or that? And you're like, oh God, I've, now I feel like that clock is ticking. I yeah. got to get back to them, right? Yeah. And then it kind of usually, like you'd said earlier in the podcast, sometimes if you just let that slide, they call you back, you get another polo in a few hours, it says, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there is a tool and I just want to pass it on. You're allowed to say to yourself, do I want to deal with this now? Mm-hmm. Do I want to deal with this tomorrow? Would it be just as well since it's 11 at night that I call them in the morning? Of course, it's all right to wait. You're allowed to go to sleep. Very few things need to be taken care of right this moment. I mean, none as far as I know, unless they push the the button on the nuclear warheads, then that's a different situation. I think like maybe a family emergency kind of thing. It happens, you know, but still you're powerless against that anyway. So, you know, I don't have to stay on the air 24 seven waiting for that particular episode to happen. Um, and something may slip by. You may miss something, but who cares? But I haven't. I, will just I haven't say either. I haven't missed anything. I've been I able either. to be there when I needed to be there. I had my mother in the hospital several times in the past few years, and I didn't freak out like my siblings, but I feel like, in fact, I know for a fact I was there for her more than they were because she fucking made that comment at the movie theater the other yeah. day when she was getting out of my car. She says, of all my children, I feel like you're the only one that really listens to me. Mm-hmm. Now that is a gift yeah no doubt 
you know, when you have an aging parent, she's 88, and my other siblings are talking at her, not with her, not listening to her, not letting her be a person because they think she's feeble or something, which she's not. And then I wasn't able to do that before this program, to yep. be there for somebody like Amen. that and accept them for who they are. Yep. That time, uh, dad's, dad said to me, uh, thanked me because I'm always there for him. That's freaking and, awesome. Uh, the unsaid thing was not everybody is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is, that's, that's the recovery gold, man. And it's, it's because of work, you know, abiding by these guidelines we have. I remember, uh, the best friend story. I remember I uh, had a sponsee and I was doing polos on the way to Fargo because I was going to check out for the weekend, you know, and I was told one of them and I wasn't even thinking I was going by myself and I was really happy because I like it when I get to go by myself. I don't, I like it when friends come or dad goes too, but I treasure those times when I get to go down there and solitude out and, uh, which I've just done for the last day and a half. Um, and I had said on the polo that I was taking my best friend. I'd said that to somebody. And, uh, like when I got back home, uh, the guy called me again, you know, and he's like, who'd you go with? You know? And he's like, and and I said, I went by myself. He said, but you said you was taking your best friend. I said, I am my best friend. (laughs) And he had actually sweated all weekend. He said, couldn't help with wondering who Dan's best friend was because I didn't say who it was. He said, I don't know if he was taking a chick or if he was, (laughs) but, uh, that, uh, and I, I didn't even consciously say it. I, I had until he reminded me that that's what I said. I, I, I was confused. What? 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 Mm-hmm. You become as you as you grow, both older chronologically, but also with this program, you become much more careful and aware of what you're spending your time and and your environment is for yourself. I, 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 there's somebody who just started texting me recently and that's fine but now i'm on their daily text for the fucking quote of the day or whatever and i'm like i don't want this first thing in the morning and i don't I haven't figured out how i'm going to deal with that because i don't want to come out for a new person and say don't send me that right well, and i have them. done that before i was on the daily ponderable i would gently do that and i said you know i just don't Amen. i don't read them and i don't have time yep. for it so and i have my daily routine yeah. where i'm getting that you know and i can understand that it's part of your rec- i'm not a fan of mailing lists in general man yeah, i try I to unsubscribe either. from all that garbage but yeah um, again, it's but protecting you know, you your you environment. Let, and if you let that pile up, then you're getting 10 of them, you know, and, and it's a whole lot easier to nip it in the bud. And how much time are you spending looking at the notification even or whatever? Yeah. Again, those are seconds of your life that are being spent doing something you maybe don't want to do. Yep. And it's okay that you don't want to do it. You have, you're an individual. That is probably the single, here we go, greatest thing about recovery is we value you for who you are. You want to know how we do that? It's on the damn chips that I'm looking at Dan's table now that say, to thine own self be true. Not to the newcomer, not to Bill Wilson, not to fucking the AA gods, to thine own self, which I believe is the whole process of recovery versus sobriety is finding out who the fuck you are and then walking it, showing it to the world. Don't hide in your closet pretending you're not that person. Be the person you are. You know, you and I had an incident that was probably for me, it was a huge growth spurt 
and it was a it was it may seem like a minor thing but for me it was because there's so much emotion tied up in it and i know when we're dealing with family or friends and we care about somebody so much and we want to you know share like well this is how i really feel about it but i don't want to hurt their feelings or i don't want to screw up anything um but you know we were talking about the retreat and you were saying well you know i'm at a point where i really need to put a boundary on it that if you're going to come you need to come for the whole fucking experience and i respect that I think that's the way it should be. You come on a Wednesday, you come on a Friday afternoon, you stay there for the whole goddamn deal. Um, I wasn't willing to do that. I'm not a fan of roughing it. I can rough it for a night, but I'm an indoor cat, and yeah. I've learned to accept that about myself. Yeah. I like my refrigerator. I like my air conditioning. I like shower. my shower. <laughs> I'm just a clean dude. I I like it that way. And I respect that. And you know, and again, but to speak up and say, you know, well, if that's the case, I don't really think I'm gonna probably yeah. attend. And that hurt because I want to attend, but I want to respect your boundaries, but I also want to speak my truth and not like give up and go and then be miserable. Because I didn't say, well, you know, Dan, I really don't like using the outhouse for two days. I can use the outhouse for a day. I could probably use the outhouse for two days, but I probably wouldn't enjoy it. And I definitely would not enjoy the outhouse for a fucking week like these motherfuckers going up the mountain. I'm like, okay, guys, you know. There ain't no outhouse. You can go be a man and smell each other for seven fucking days, but I'm not, you know. I'll hug you, but I'm going to be smelling your shit. (laughs) And there's a thing where people wander off and you got a half a dozen guys all using an area and then you wander off and there's a pile laying there, you know. You see the toilet paper. You're supposed to bury it, but it's up in the rocks. You can't. I could do it. If it's the end of the world apocalypse, you had to. Just choose not to. We got to do yourself. what we got to do, but if yeah. I have a choice, yeah. choose not to put yourself in that. But position. again, that's just I bring that up as an example for anybody out there that's struggling with a hard choice, like you know what I'm trying to be there for my kids, but I also need time for me, mm-hmm. or I'm trying to be in a relationship, but she's a little too possessive, and I need to speak up and let her know I need to do something for me. Yeah, and I admire you when you did that in one of your relationships because that is advanced recovery shit. When you can stand up for yourself and speak your truth. Not in a mean way, not in an aggressive way. Also invite them to speak their truth. This is Mm -hmm. a two-way street. I'm not saying it's all my way or the highway, but you're going to fucking listen to what my truth is. And I've had to train my family on that, you know, and pretty much they do respect my recovery and don't fuck with that. And the fact of the matter is if you don't, it'll build into a resentment. It'll be something later. Or you possibly may give up your recovery for your truth and you will use again. Yep. You can't lie. And that's what Bill means by honesty. If you read that honesty piece and how it works three times, he's talking about self-honesty. He's not talking about cash register, church honesty, be a good saint. 100% transparent. He says later, we are not fucking saints, people. Stop doing that shit. Stop bringing church into AA. That's not meant to be. That is not the way the founders. A lot of the founders, just like the founders of the country of America, were not religious people. Okay, these yeah. alcoholics who started AA a lot. Bill Bob Bob's camp was, but not Bill's camp, and um, especially Hank and all those guys that advised Bill in the Big Book. Take that shit out of there, man. You're not going to write. Nobody's going to read this shit with all that God stuff in there. It is one of them concepts. It's a newcomer struggle, like a barrier about what does honesty mean. You know, it doesn't mean I'm 100 percent transparent with everybody I run into. That's and I'm not, not going to hurt your feelings. I'm not going to say you're ugly if you're ugly. Yeah, right. But when it comes to protecting my serenity, protecting yeah. my 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 environment my circle you know mary beams at the brook used to talk about the hula hoop all the time that's your circle of control that three foot hula hoop you have around you you have a the right 
to your own body, who touches your body, who, you know, fucking comes in your close to you spear, you know, and, you know, speak up, speak up, let them know you're there, man. Don't be a slug through life. That's another thing I'd tell my little younger self is don't, don't hide, man. What do we say? Be sober out loud. Yeah. I fucking love that shit. Cover out loud. Yeah. All right. Well, next question is from a person named Push Dad Down at at and <laughs> Hopefully that's not a subconscious impulse in your head right now. Um, are you happy with what you've achieved throughout your life and where you are today? Hmm. I'll let you go first. <laughs> you know, uh, it kind of feels cliche in a way because uh, in the past when people would ask me how I'm doing, I was, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm good. And uh, I've said this a million times, too, that uh, right now there's really nothing I could ask for. You know, I can't think of anything that I would ask for in my life today. Now, would I like to have another bucket full of money? Yeah. But other other than that, uh, and I sometimes question why why that. It was more of a security thing, more of a financial security issue that, that I wouldn't have. I could do more fun stuff uh, if I could. If I could do 12-step work full-time and pay my bills with it, uh, that's what I would do. It's that fulfilling to me to participate in my recovery and especially participate in the recovery of other people. Uh, coming up on nine years sober, I can't, I couldn't be, you know, that's why I beat this drum so hard. You know, that this thing has, it's been a pure miracle. And then uh, after experiencing it myself, uh, the next step in the miracle is to uh, have it watch it happen in other people's lives. Watch that. Watch the same, you know, uh, uh, that human washing machine, that car wash. Watch watch people go through this wash and have them come out the other side of it and watch their life improve. And that's why I can say with 100% certainty today that I can guarantee you that I can guarantee you, not death and taxes. Those two guarantees are different guarantees. I can guarantee you that if you'll work these 12 steps and practice these principles in your daily life, that's a that's a key. Practice them. Uh, that's what a lot of people seem to have a misunderstanding that you just do the steps and things get better. And they do. Uh, it will. But it will, it will cease. It will stagnate if you don't continue to practice these principles in your life. That's really the icing on the cake is to, to use these tools to navigate life, have us, uh, have us operating guidelines on, uh, on how to do this, how to do this thing called life, this trip. We'll get this short trip on this big blue marble that, uh, that I didn't know how to do until I got these, these guidelines. So, um, am I happy with where I'm at today? You know, there's still the, you know, in the same vein, I know there's more. I smell more. Hmm. So I still, even though I'm happy with where I am today, uh, I'm in no, I'm in no mood to coast. Although at some level, <clears throat> I have. It was so. I, I feel like I hard charged it. It might come into this same kind of thing I was talking about a minute ago about uh, connecting my my self worth with my productivity. Uh, I kind of did the same thing with recovery and it kind of, you know, it kind of worked out for me to, to go after my recovery, go out, participate in my recovery at that level, pay dividends for sure. Uh, but I noticed after, uh, there's a, there's a maturation project process as you are here and practicing this longer and longer and you figure out like where you're, um, 
where you need to be, you know, uh, just like the way that you protect your Sundays and, um, and I watch how you protect your hula hoop. Uh, and, and I don't necessarily do that at that level. And then I look at guys who are still hard charging in their, I don't know, it seems like I noticed a glow on guys that are between four and five. They've like been doing it long enough that they like not, you know, we can't, we can't say these words really, but we, I'll say they got this now. It's a part of their life and they're on fire. Like Travis is on fire. Right. And you see those people in that neighborhood and I can look back and see that in that year I was on fire too. <laughs> Uh, and, and I, I see that. And then as I've matured a little bit, I don't have to, I'm no longer having to try so hard. For a while, I had to like put conscious effort into doing what we do. I like had to remind myself that uh, didn't do not, I do not disturb my phone. I didn't do not disturb my computer. Um, and it's becoming a working part of my mind, as Bill says now, and I'm finding that I don't have to consciously work so hard to keep these principles as my foundation. It's it's just who I am today. So am I happy? I could I don't I, I don't know what I would I can't ask for anything that would make me happier. You know, when I would add to what you were just saying, I do think there's this dynamic we all go through that but I've never heard anybody talk about it. We're, we're trying to seek AA approval mm-hmm. among our brothers and among the fellowship and especially among the hierarchy when it comes to the elders versus the newer people. And so it's like, look, I'm doing it. Look, I'm following the AA principles. Look, I'm a good AA member. I really 12-step that guy. And I, and I found a freedom, particularly in the past 10 years, with some of the things that happened in our support group where it's like, I don't need your fucking opinion. I don't need your fucking approval. I don't need your attaboy. I'm right with my higher power. I'm right with my sponsor. I'm right with my support group. They like what I'm doing, and that's enough. I don't have to have all the other accolades of like, oh, here comes Mr. Whatever, you know, and proving to you that I'm working a program shit, you know. So if you're doing that out there, I give you permission to stop. (laughs) You don't get a prize, and you're never going to get the uh, acknowledgement you might be seeking, you know. So, but when it comes to achieve what you want to achieve with your life, you know, I don't know if that's even possible. I I do think the way I look at it from my age is life is a process of becoming. And if you get there, I don't know. I think you're dead. I think there is no destination. Once you reach the destination, you're dead. Um, But becoming what? Well, becoming a better version of yourself, becoming um, more aligned with who you really are and being able to walk that and show it to the world. Um, I do know that working on this book has been a major contributor to helping me define how I want to present myself to the world, so to speak. Um, I'm getting ready to finish it, and it should be out next year. Um, And I've reached a place with my writing where I know I'm a good writer, and I know that I've practiced it, and I've done it more than 10,000 hours. So I'm definitely one of those so-called experts when they use that 10,000-hour rule. Once you do something for 10,000 hours, you're an expert. Um, And whether anybody else likes the story, I don't even give a fuck. I know it's a very particular story for a very select crowd, and those that get it, get it. And those that don't get it, that's okay. A lot of people felt that way about Stephen King when he was first starting, right? It's like, what the fuck? What is this shit? (laughs) Right? So... I'm looking forward to the people that will get it to get it, but I want to be able to put out a book 
that I'm proud of to say that I couldn't make it any better. And people say, why does it take so long? Because that's it. You want to make sure it's, it's the, I want to be happy with it. Whether the world reacts to it, it's like icing on the cake. I really, I do want them to, obviously I'm not stupid, but at the same time, my whole life is dependent on that. What I want to do is leave that behind to say, okay, I know it's fucking good. And I know I wrote the book, the story I wanted to write. That's, that's in that book. And I didn't even know if that was possible with the kind of story I'm trying to write. It's rather comp- complicated in many ways. It's not a straightforward, Mary went to the house and then this happened. <laughs> it's not that kind of a story. And again, there's going to be people, and I've had several people read already. It's like, well, I just stopped reading it. Yeah, well, maybe it's not for you. I, I, I warn people, it's a very dark book. And, you know, you got to have a certain je ne sais quoi for that. And if you don't have that, it's okay. Um, but my life isn't dependent on that. And when I was younger, my life depended on that approval. I wanted to be the star in the in, in his success in the eyes of the world. Whereas today, it's more I want the world to look at that and at least acknowledge that's a well-written book that Duke can write. And then, and my whole soul isn't dependent on that. My self-worth isn't dependent on that. And that's to have that gift today is worth whatever else in my life was supposed to make me happy that I didn't get because just be able to say I'm okay with myself I've never I've never been more comfortable in my own skin than I am today and a lot of that has just come in the past five years there's something that's happened in me that has changed and added more of that love to it like there's almost a part of me that looks back at myself 10 20 years ago and is almost embarrassed by that side of myself for people to maybe know that person because I was a little hard charging and I was a little hard edged about some things and I'm not that person anymore and again they don't know that and they expect me to be that person but um I mean that's what we're looking for when we use we want to be comfortable in our own skin we want to be comfortable in this world now being comfortable in this world is a daily proposition that's problematic it depends on what's going on around me and what the crazy people are doing um but you know like you said what what am i going to do with that so i got more money in the bank it's just going to sit in the bank would you really do more exciting things if you had more money i don't know would you are we get in our habits would you really you know what do i need extra stuff i'm in a place in my life i'm trying to throw shit out i just threw out a bag of shit this week i'm trying to unload shit so i don't leave all that when i pass away and somebody else has to just throw it away you know um i don't need it i don't need all this stuff anymore and you know i've learned money's not going to solve my problems mm-hmm. i've been through that i've had a chance where money came into my life and it didn't make me any happier um, but what makes you happy is, are you doing what you want to do today? And you don't have to rely on your job providing that to you. I work my job. I live paycheck to paycheck. I don't, you know, I'm not fucking well off to, you know, I'm comfortable. And, but I make time to pursue the things I want to do. And that's why I'm happy. And I never knew how to do that before. It was always depend on, do I have your approval or do I have your praise? And if I get that, because that's my alcoholic family system. Like I said, that conditional love, you know, oh, he's a good, you're writing an amazing book that's going to sell all these millions of copies. And every time you tell somebody you're writing a book, that's the first question out of their mouth. Have you ever published, published anything? You know, how much money have you made almost? And it's like, well, okay, so what about the pursuit of the craft? I know you pursue your craft of woodworking and you want to be better at it, right? It's the same thing with a writer. And the real writers that I admire, the ones that talk about the craft, talk about it that way. You fucking write because you have to. 
is not a fucking choice. Mm-hmm. And it's not something you're like, oh, I'm going to write this, this multi-zillion. Not. Who cares? <laughs> if you put, if I know for myself, I'm at a point with my craft that if I put out a book that I know sucks and it's popular, <laughs> I will hate myself. <laughs> right? Because I'll know that's not me. That's not the book I wanted to put out. This is the book I wanted to put out. That's why I'm excited about it. And so... Again, I don't know if we're always going to have regrets, maybe, but looking back as 2020 hindsight, I said that to one of my peeps this past week. How do you know what you do not know? One of my sponsor's favorite sayings when I was beating myself and saying, I should have known better. How the fuck could you know? You hadn't been through that yet. You hadn't learned that lesson yet. So I, for the gifts that recovery has given me, no, I wouldn't exchange it for anything in the world. To go back, you know, oh, I can make a devil pact with the devil and you can go back and change your life. Nah. Yeah, but you could be a big star in Hollywood and you could do all this shit. I don't need that now. I needed that back then. When I was 20 years old, I needed that to fill that hole in my soul, that hole in my gut. I don't I don't have that hole in my gut anymore. What a, what a freedom that is, right? Yeah. And I know you feel that That's way. About, you're living outside the grid, man. You're working for yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't need the corporate man to give you a title and an office with a plaque on the wall to tell right. you that you're yep. worth something. You know. That's what I mean. I've never been happier. I'm in control of my destiny today, and I can do what I want to do when I want to do it and um, chase my crafts. I don't know. There's two things. I like the woodworking, but there's I like to go sit in the freaking woods and chase deer, and I like to practice there's actually skill and uh, woodsman Major. type stuff to, to to be better at that too and so i take time to do those things and, and then again kind of comes back to seems like maybe even a theme today of uh of taking care of yourself and doing the things that make you happy uh, and screw everybody else mm-hmm. <laughs> not really i still you know, not like i do that in a at a detriment to others but i take care of myself mm-hmm my brain was turning on something else but i was trying to get make sure the train wasn't leaving the station Uh-oh. while you were talking it'll come back to me but it was on this topic and um one other thing that happens is when you're living according to the principles of this program you don't make regrets for yourself yeah you don't <laughs> i mean all those horrible relationships that i regret in the past or whatever they're no longer part of your life if you're living according to the principles mm-hmm. so that's helpful Yep. You're not stepping on toes. You're not, you know, creating problems for yourself. I mean, you still step in a bucket once in a while, but that's just life. It was when I was talking to you about the woodworking and you practicing your craft and just pursuing what makes you happy. Um, Takes a while in life to figure out what that is for yourself as well. It's okay not to know what that is. I went many years not knowing. I I had too many other voices in my head telling me what my happiness was supposed to be. Mm. And I really think that dream of Hollywood was my dad and my mom's dream. You Mm. know, I think I asked my mom that one time and she laid it out. She said, I really think even though your dad loved advertising and then he ran for Congress and he was passionate about politics, that was his major in college. But she said, I think if he had wanted anything, he wanted the life of his fraternity brother. He was the president of fraternity and his fraternity brother was Warren Beatty. He wanted to be a Hollywood actor. And I never knew that about my dad. I mean, that's how much on lockdown that shit was, right? He never said that. And I was like, really? I said, well, that kind of makes sense that you try to live your dreams out through your kids, right? Yep. So I think it's a typical thing that living vicariously through your kids and that comes to... And then we have to sort out, like, is that voice in my head drive me to do that me? 
or am I still trying to prove my worth to my parents or, you know, get their approval? Yep. And then the flip side of that, turn it upside down is like raising kids and trying not to put your, trying not to put my stuff on them uh, and have that, you know, that's another miracle in recovery that I can do that today, that I don't have to try and overdrive what they should be doing or try not to put my stuff onto them. Uh, let them find their way too. you know, where, uh, you know, I hear from so many people that didn't feel free to go their own way. They felt, you know, fathers tend to coach boys to do sports and maybe they don't like them and they don't, you know, and, um, I don't, dad always had me, you know, and it's another thing I think he did right. He threw a lot of stuff at me and see what stuck to the wall. If I didn't like doing something, we didn't do it. If I liked it, we kept on doing it. Um, that's kind of a way to go after your recovery. Like you don't know what you like, right? You're so, you change so much through this process, uh, that you become a different human being and you may not know what you like, but something tickles your fancy or whatever. A little ping comes up that says, try this. Well, try it. And if it don't like it, so nothing, nothing, you know, no harm done. Try something else. Try something else. Uh, I think it's a, another vital piece of, of, uh, satisfying recovery is to find that if you you should find some things you like to do (laughs) Uh, the other angle that comes with age both in recovery but also also chronologically is laying down to life as it is i think we have especially as addicts and alcoholics all these expectations that life is supposed to be a spectacular hollywood blockbuster blow them up summer movie all the time yeah fireworks it's not that's not life life is fucking taking a shit once a day or twice a day life is you know i mean and learning how to accept that yeah you know learning to be in flow with that that it's okay that i have to do dusting in the house and i have to fucking you know i just laugh sometimes at some of the shit we have to do as human beings you know just i don't know i think it's served to help keep us humble you know, if you think about these people that get up on TV in Washington and try and pontificate every day that they're so fucking great, I, I try to imagine them taking a shit. Yeah. When they have diarrhea and they can't wipe their ass enough to make it stop. I say, oh, okay, there you go. I see what you're doing there. You think you're better than me, huh? Um, but learning how to lay down to that, that so much of what we do isn't even in our control. Um, Catherine played that song that I turned her on to it's called well it's a it's a speech that a guy gave at a graduation ceremony for our college and they've put some beats behind it you'll find it on YouTube it's called everybody wear sunscreen by Boz Lerman B-A-Z Lerman I heard you say song but I didn't hear any beats behind it oh because her connection she was playing it off Google and I, I, I think somebody might have had their microphone. No big deal. I, think, I just heard the word song, and then uh, and it kind of, you know, your head. Went. Since I do this every day on Zoom, I've gotten to know the ins and outs. And I think since Sean's microphone was open, it might have been feeding back so much. But we did get I heard the, the words. words. Yeah, I heard the so, word, the spoken word. Playing. But the beat is really soothing, and it's got a certain cadence to why he's talking in that rhythm, and they've mixed it in. Yeah, it kind of went But the, one of the things he says in there, and he's talking to the younger people from his perspective of learning this from age, is don't sweat your choices so much half of your choices are completely random completely chance if even that maybe more than that so when you say this question which is what led me to all this is remembering what i wanted to say earlier you know do you regret anything or whatever and you're happy it's like well how much of my life do i feel like was maybe fated to be that i was to walk this path and i challenge any addict around alcoholic to really examine that 
I'm brought up in the most addictive country ever existed on earth. I was brought up in an alcoholic family. There was alcohol around me since I was born. What are the chances I'm not going to try it? Okay, so I try it. What happens then? I have a genetic condition that's going to react differently to it. I'm setting over that domino. If I do it a second time, there goes another domino. How much of that is under my choice and control? Mm-hmm. And I have these people still come to my group and say, but I chose to do it. Boy, have you got a lot to fucking learn. And so I really feel so much of life, not that I'm a victim and I'm passive, but so much of my life feels like, okay, there's certain things. I still remember that guy did your reading or whatever who talked about, you know, you have free will. That is absolute. But you can choose not to do these things. There are certain things written in your spiritual blueprint you've got to go through. And I feel like alcohol was one of those. I really don't see how I could have stopped that steam train from rolling over me. And the first time I used for sure, which I'll be talking about in my talk this week. So it's just like, why? Why did that all of a sudden just show up? That's so against anything I'd ever done before. That was like a different person that just showed up and said, yeah, give me on What? Where'd where, where where that guy come guy? from? Exactly. And so, I don't know. Don't take it so hard, man. I mean, life, I can't control the turning of the earth. All right. I just try to do the best I can with the circumstances I'm handed, right? And I think that's all that any of us can do. Yeah. And how many of our really hum, humble examples of success in America will come out and say, well, I don't take that much responsibility for being a Hollywood actor. Robert De Niro himself said that, man, it was luck. I can't explain why I made it. And this guy that I know from school didn't make it. Like a Danny Trio talk. He just, yeah, he just fell right into it. Like almost he was meant to be like kind of deal. Yeah. It's weird the way life is like yep. that sometimes. Yeah, got to unhook yourself from from what didn't, what may have not went so well. And don't grab up too much for what you did, too, you know. And congratulate yourself on making decisions because life is just, you know, who knows? We'll never know the answer and to that. And you're not a victim, but that humility of trying to work in concert with what life is handing you yeah. will create less misery for yourself. But also, um, maybe what life is handing you is trying to drive you to take action to go towards something else. Yep. So if you're in that shitty job, you needed to be in the shitty job before you could know, I didn't want to do this. I want to do something else. You had to do that with your corporate career as an yep. engineer yep. before you could take and, that you leap. Know, and for the most part, that job was great. I will never throw any shade at it. They treated me well. I was paid well. I learned a lot. I loved it for a while. But as with a lot of things, it didn't anymore. <laughs> it, it, that season blew over. Seasons of our lives. I'm a big believer in that. Uh, I always joke around. I worked there 24 years as an alcoholic and an addict, and in four years of sobriety, they turned me loose. And I knew that very second that that was God doing something for me. Higher power was doing something for me. I knew it right then because I wasn't happy there anymore, And but I couldn't let go of the security blanket. And God plucked me off the telephone pole in the middle of the hurricane said, you, you got to let go of that. Plink. And I knew that. That was cool, too. I mean, those, those moments kind of like... It's similar to like when I saw Don get up and start talking at that thing, you know, it's just that that feeling that you knew you were it was that you were in the flow, that you were right where you're you supposed were being to be. Taken care of. I didn't get you know, obviously there was a bit of shock just because it didn't make any difference if you're running left and all of a sudden the world pulls you right, you're gonna feel a little uh, little uh, But you know what's cool is that you had done the work so that you were awakened. 
so you could see it with different eyes. If you right. take the old Dan who was using and that happened to him, that could have turned into a tragedy I'd where you were like, okay, you're going to give me money. I'm going to sit at home and drink and drug and get worse and then maybe end up in prison. And isn't it interesting how just being awakened to the possibility that a higher power might be playing some role in that? Yep. Even if you don't believe it, just being willing to believe is what Bill says in the book. Are you even willing to believe? We just went over that chapter the other day with a newcomer. Um, that changes everything. That changes and gives you meaning that it's not a random event, that possibly this is leading you towards something really good. Yep. I had no idea what that was, but uh, just walked it out. Didn't, didn't, you know, another thing I like to say is I don't push rope anymore. Uh, it don't push good. Just uh, go with the flow. Yeah. And then, and this other opportunity, and I tell people, they say, well, how'd you get to, how, how did you become, how'd you, how long have you been doing this? And that's a little bit of a scary thing because I've only been doing it professionally for about three or four years. And, uh, but I've been doing this all my life. It's the truth, fixing things, repairing my own stuff, helping a buddy repair his stuff. My dad's taught me how to fix all this stuff. Um, but it's happened so organically. You know, I'm sitting at home without any idea about what I'm going to do, and a phone rings or I get a text message or something. And somebody asked me, he said, uh, a realtor friend of mine was trying to sell a house and said, Hey, I got a client that needs a door replaced in her house ASAP so we, you know, so we can get it sold. I always go, really that's the breaking point is this door <laughs> the house not going to sell but i didn't i went with the flow and i uh, said sure i ain't doing nothing and one thing led to another and somebody else called and somebody else called and the next thing i know i went well i guess i'll do this it's working uh and it worked just in the time i had that soft landing off of it as another thing that higher power driven deal so just so many different uh and you talk to any you know Anybody in recovery will have those same stories about how things, you know, again, it's hindsight. It's looking in the rearview mirror and going, oh, wow, that was cool. <laughs> uh, look how that worked out. And then the biggest hurdle is, is to carry that mindset forward. You know, I can sit here and look at the blessings that have happened in the past and see them for what they are. But another hurdle is to see the next one and not label it a hurricane when who knows if it's it might be the best it might be the next best thing to happen to me and i'm standing past i've walked past it looking back at it as a miracle mm -hmm. and being uh, be reading <clears throat> reading the signs um there's so many times i can just feel like higher powers like are you kidding me like the other day i fucking heard something on a podcast it's been on my mind I heard another podcast. It was repeated again. I open up my fucking internet and the story is about that. And I'm like going, come on. <laughs> Are you trying to get my attention? I get it, man. Fuck. This is ridiculous. Uh, in the past, I would have just blown right over right. that. I wouldn't have been able to read the signs. Yep. And that's where the miracles happen in recovery is being in concert with your higher power. Amen. You're like, you take the fucking sign and you listen and you take action on it instead of just going, well, I don't know what that meant. Yep. That's, that's fucking about higher that. power trying to fucking help you, bro. <clears throat> it's meant for your good. It might not look like it. Like, I don't want to change. I don't want to do this terror scary thing. Yeah, but look, if you do this, you could have something better. Yep. Yep. That's why I the same thing in my Hard. little analogy of the, the sticky notes laying around that I pick up. You know, mm -hmm. you get these little ideas. And uh, when you're in concert with your higher power, it makes those, you know, if one thing it takes a lot of the fear off of it when you go, okay, and you accept it for that. And, uh, and those have been, you know, 
again, I say it over and over again. I didn't intend to be doing any of this. <laughs> this was never in the plan, including what we're doing right now. Yeah, podcasting, <laughs> yoga, uh, being self-employed, uh, the wood shop, uh, none of this. Running men's retreats, none of that was in the plan. It all was picking up those sticky notes and taking action on them. All right, we got one more, and it's got a number of. Uh, and I, I'll tell you too. I do mean to say, <clears throat> so I, I, I Googled email domains, and that's how I come up with these. That's <laughs> what, and uh, and I just read down through them. There's just lists of everything on the computer, right? And uh, so uh, I uh, ran. I, I used that same thing I was talking about a minute ago. I, when one caught my eye, I pinged it. You know. And I didn't necessarily <laughs> write anyone. I didn't really that. Which what, makes what, it but, even better because the person that did the question for hot dude actually put their name on there. So oh, did I, they? Think, I think it's fucking perfect. <laughs> oh, Hopefully they they're a, laughing did right they put now. put a salutation on it? I tried to, I cut the, I had the top of no, the. No, just it says, it says love you, love you both. And then they put their name. Oh, did I? Yes, yeah, I mean, yeah. a salutation. So the right. fact you put hot dude at AOL, I think he'll appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the flip side of that, if you don't like your name, don't take it too yeah, hard. That's right. It was random. Yep, it like was random because this one is uh, herpes free since 2009 at iCloud.com. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Um, you put that email on the dating sites. <laughs> so the first question is Is forgiveness only divine? You waiting for me? I'm thinking. Yeah, I don't really. Uh, I'm a little. Um, I would say mostly. Uh, as I've been taught that I don't really have the power to forgive, but it gets to be kind of like that. Uh, same thing in this taking these actions on this stuff. I have to take some actions in that process, in order to be granted that forgiveness. So without that, I can't really do it. But I wouldn't say it's only divine because i have to play my part mm -hmm. i have to be willing to grant it yep um but i think what the phrase comes from shakespeare and i think it is from Hamlet. does it yeah i think i believe so um to forgive is divine um or it might be one of the the word only things. is the one that catches me yeah it's an only divine it might is actually it? be the philosophers like plato or somebody but um well, the reason we use it in Alcoholics Anonymous is because the idea of an alcoholic sitting in judgment of other people is a laughable proposition. And all I got to do is go over our guy's stories. How many times did you pass out? How many times you wake up with somebody you didn't know? How many times you wake up, don't even know where you are? And you're going to sit here and you're the person that's in charge of judging humanity? Wow, we're in trouble. <laughs> so I can usually get my guy humbled real quick with that shit. So I think that's what the phrase is saying. Is the to err is human, to forgive divine. And it says it's a saying from <laughs> an essay on criticism by Alexander Pope. That's what this first Google oh, well, thing there you says. Go. Things you never knew. Yeah. Uh, but no, you're right. We have to be willing and ready, and, and we have to go through our pain first of hating the motherfucker. I, I coached somebody on that who was like, I just don't want to do this yet. And I said, well, don't, you don't have to. I give you full permission to hate on him as much as you want, and we get tired of choking on that shit. Mm -hmm. You'll know it. You'll know you're going to wake up one day and say, God damn it, I'm tired of carrying this corpse on my back. 
I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> okay, let's then now we can talk about making your amends and forgiving them first, doing the prayers. But it's fine if you don't want to be as miserable as you want to be. You're just drawing your enemy closer to you. The more that you hate on him, the more that you won't forgive them. You're just keeping them close to you. So, but yeah, it. I do. I would say it's higher power stuff. Just like, I mean, how do we get sober? I would say, how many people in the world do you know? For a fact that you heard on tapes have said, I'm I'm sober because of a higher power. These 12 steps, blah, blah, blah. But higher power is like usually number one. Yep. How can you explain that? All I can tell you is there. Yep. I would not be sober without it. I don't care what you call it. I'm, I'm fine if a person wants to psychoanalyze it and say, what if it's just your mind playing a trick? Great. It's the higher mind of man. Yep. Who the fuck cares? Higher call self. It? All I know is it's like electricity. If I plug in, it fucking works. Yep. It runs my fucking stereo. I get to listen to my music. I don't care how it gets to my house. Yep. I don't fucking really care at all. How it's generated. And I used to be in that business of figuring it out. That's yep. all I did. That's what I mean about being a serious fucking youngster. Who the fuck cares? I have that image. It's a power that look at these motherfuckers. Don't you hear their stories, Travis? Fucking major, major addicts. Yeah. <laughs> Not capable of doing anything for themselves. Yeah. Look at them today. You tell me you don't see a power there, and that's all you need to know. Are you capable of tra changing Travis? No. Then yeah. that makes it a power greater than yeah. you. Yeah. That's step two. People yeah, get so right. caught and in step into two that willing. and jump right to three and start talking about God. And I'm like, there's nothing about God in step two. I've established a God. Just, just fucking step two says, are you the greatest power in the world? Yeah. And if you are, we're all in trouble, bro. I got to tell you. <laughs> that, Based uh, on your record. Yeah. Uh, how's that been working out for you kind of statement, you know? And, uh, and I hey. didn't pull that one on this person the other day, but I should have where I said, you know, I know you've got some pride in that intellect and your feeling of control, but you know where you are right now where it brought you it brought you to a mental hospital yeah i didn't pull that card on that did help me in treatment actually when they threw that shit at me yeah you've been doing it your own way and look where you are they used to just throw that shit in your face in the 80s they wouldn't hold back man so maybe you might want to shut the fuck up <laughs> yep and you know your way's not working how about try something else try this it's not going to hurt you you're not going to get harmed by it or die yeah you know, this woman we listened to, Angie Pease, who was so great. Um, she was like, I'm out of here. I had enough of this. And the old time was like, then go then. Yeah. <laughs> There's people up here trying to get sober. <laughs> that's the, that's the AA I grew up in. <laughs> yeah. I still hear it here and there. Which, you know, there is needed. There's some, yeah, that there's... side of it is needed. That's why I believe we need all voices for all different types of sponsors for all different types of people. Yep. But yeah, I would, I to answer the question, We'll just give it to God. God's in charge of forgiveness. Yeah. And that falls under, you know, that's a subsection of let it go. Yeah. And everything we I'm do in recovery is our partnership, though. Like, you know, we have to do our part and put feet under it. Yeah. So it's a partnership with higher power. But I don't have the power to forgive anybody. I had to have my higher power do that for me. Yeah. Especially with my dad. Would you be willing... To share, this is a funny, this is a hard question. Would you be willing to share some of what your higher power is embodies slash embodies? Would you be willing to share some of what your higher power is slash embodies? Yeah, I'm more than happy to share it with anybody because it's different than what I was given at birth and it's different than what I was raised with. And that's the beautiful thing about this recovery is you get the chance to grow with it and it will change for you over the years. It'll evolve. <clears throat> I've stopped trying to define 
the theology or philosophy behind a higher power. See, let me no tell you. no longer in that business. I, I, I just, I'm not going to write a treatise like Locke or um, Kierkegaard or any of these great philosophers about what God is. Let me explain this to you. But to me, it's a feeling. And that's why I love my sponsor, Darren, when he talks about, and I've said it ad, ad infinitum, but there's somebody out there who hasn't heard this. He says, my higher power is that feeling I get when I was a kid and I was hurting or crying and my mama would take me into her lap and she would rub my back and I'd fall asleep. Anything that makes me feel like that is a higher power. And drugs don't make you feel like that. Not that kind of pure love and care and all that. That's an artificial feeling. So... um I would like to believe that there's a force that gives a fuck about humanity. It's very hard for me to believe that. And it's very hard to see any evidence in the world we have today. But um, I do know that for every bad story out there, logically, if you want to use the scientific approach, there's just there's 10 times more good stories that you're not being told. Somebody taking a meal to their neighbor because they've got cancer or something. Somebody helping build a house for Habitat for Humanity. You never hear that shit. All we hear about these assholes. Why do we exalt these assholes who are just robbing the country blind and stealing from us? And we make them the heroes because they got the blue tire, the red tire, whatever the fuck. And they're crooks. And that's all we hear about on our media instead of celebrating the good. I don't know what this obsession humanity has with negativity, but... um, so when people say, well, where's God? Well, stop watching that crap because it's right, might be right down the street. There's somebody doing something heroic that they're not capable of doing on their own, but they're stepping up and doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Um, but I would certainly hope <laughs> when I'm on my deathbed, I'm, I'm going to sound really bizarre, and I'm really thinking about how I can ha- breach this conversation if it even comes up with this fellow I'm about to see because, you know, you have to kind of take the sensitivity of somebody in their last week of life, right? It's like, you're going to take the lead on the conversation. I'm not going to force anything, right? But I thought to myself, if I'm going to be honest and you ask me, I'll be saying, I'll be honest with you. I'm looking forward to it in some ways. And my whole life has been about this question of what happens is, is there a purpose to life? And I figure, well, if there isn't, I won't even know. So no big deal. But I'm certainly hoping that the white light experience and being free of this body and feeling like more love than you've ever felt in your life. That sounds pretty good to me. As far as a devil and hell, I think that's garbage. I think that's all man's ego and fear, period. I don't care who I insult with that. I will preach that. Drop that shit. You'll still hear that in meetings sometimes. God is testing me. Mm-hmm. God is doing this to me. God damn, expand your concepts, man. It's how, Why is it that it's so much easier for you to believe in an asshole God? rather than a God that actually loves you no matter what and is trying to support your recovery. Why is it so much easier to default that God's your enemy and trying to fuck you up? That's fucked up. That's sick. It's a sickness. Again, same deal with Jesus, you know? All I did was preach love and you motherfuckers put me on a cross. (laughs) But But it's humanity that is evil and it's our darker side, it's our weaker side, whatever you want to call it. But as far as hell, man, you just say it to any alcoholic in the world, they'll say, I've been to hell, bro. Yeah. I ain't scared of hell. It's whatever. Couldn't be worse than what I've been through. And if it is, fuck. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Um, but why is it so much harder to believe that there actually is something that would care for us and there could be a good a good future? And I'm more pragmatic ultimately when it comes to ideas like, all right, well, if there was a 
after, if there's an afterlife, there had to be a before life. It wouldn't, that doesn't make any logical Spock sense to say it just started with this one. And number two, the sense that we're in school, which is what Mary and my teacher taught me, and that's what all life is, is learning and growing, just like all the rest of life. If you look at biology, you look at nature, it's always trying to replicate itself as a better form of itself. COVID is part of that. COVID is trying to replicate itself with different spikes to be a better virus. And so we're part of that life stream. And so that makes sense to me. And I'd like to believe that when you graduate, then you're going to go to another level of the next grade. And frankly, when I went from high school to college, that was a nice upgrade. So, you know, that's the way I'd like to think of it. Uh, if it helps you, use it. <laughs> you're on. <laughs> I'm going to sip my coffee here. <laughs> I'm... Uh... The heaven and hell thing has always in the fire and brimstone has been something that my little kid inside wanted to reject from the beginning, but it was being taught at some level. And it never, you know, as I've shared here, you know, I, I never was made to go to church or made to uh, do anything that direction that I didn't want to do. It's interesting. My family didn't go to church. The rest of my, my, my nuclear family, my mom, dad, brothers, we didn't go to church, but ever, all of our relatives did, all of our cousins and aunts and uncles and grandma and all that. And I was always welcome if I wanted to go. And sometimes I did. Uh, but that particular concept, and you know, it's that, that, uh, interesting to sit there and hear those stories and feel how much I wanted to reject that stuff. But when the other uplifting stories and the stories of love your neighbor and all that, you could feel drawn to that, you know, and that was one of the things I do remember was like a push, pull, push, pull, you know, you're going to talk about that. We'll talk, you know, I'm good. If you want to talk about that, I'm out of here. Uh, which really made me come into this thing, uh, in a bit of a conflicted way, but not really rejecting it. Uh, I didn't have a rejection of the higher power idea whatsoever. And that's been my experience with my, rarely do I run into a guy that says he's closed off to the idea, um, which is fortunate. Cause I'm like, if you are, this is going to be hard. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what to do besides just do the work and hopefully that will change. Uh, I do have some kind of like, and I don't know what it is. And the last thing, well, I'll say this, you helped me to develop a relationship with a higher power without me having really any idea about what yours was, which is another thing I try to model in my sponsoring. So sometimes I'm like a little careful for even sharing it uh, with people because I don't want to be, you know, that's one of everybody, nobody likes the Mormons coming knocking on your door trying to push their stuff on you. That's a, that's a way I've, I've changed my thinking like that. You know, all they're trying to do is carry their message the same way I'm sitting in front of this microphone carrying mine. That's all they're doing when they ring that doorbell. Uh, I got to let them off the hook on that because I'm sitting here and I coast out week, uh, hours and hours of material uh, carrying my message. Uh, Got to let them carry theirs. But um, nobody wants to be told what to think, you know, and that's one great thing about AA. We say in 12-step recovery in Cheryl, we say uh, that you have this opportunity to develop your own, to start over. You get to wipe the chalkboard clean and, and, and begin again. And uh, and I really like that in the A, Bs, and Cs where it says uh, God couldn't would if he were sought it doesn't, I like Scott Lee said this, it doesn't mean I'm going to find it. It doesn't really mean that. That's not the requirement. You probably will. If you do the work, 
and you do this, you, you will end up with something, but mine has evolved over time. And I do feel like some kind of magical force around. I don't understand it. I don't even try to, I don't try to, uh, you know, that thing about, you said a minute ago about figuring out how things work. Uh, that's been me since I was a little kid. I took stuff apart to figure out how it worked. And I followed dad around to fix things to figure out how it worked. So it's been a blessing on one hand, but I also have to have the uh, discernment of where that's known in my business, like the higher power thing of how it works. I don't, I don't know, but I do feel, uh, not all the time, but there are times in my life where I felt a definite presence. There's some kind of something I got a feeling, uh, in, you know, like you were saying, sometimes people say that's your higher self. Well, maybe that's what it is. I don't know, but it feels like it's coming from external. Mm-hmm. That's just my, just the way that it comes to me. And of course, uh, that belief was developed from incidents as I worked this program and had that force touch me. And when, you know, when it touched me early on, at times, there was times I didn't even know it. I'd have to have like you interpret it for me because <laughs> I would tell you about something. And we used to have that joke. You know what that is, don't you? Uh, and But then you start tuning your, tuning your radar in and then at one point you begin, and this is like when I said about being laid off from work, and then I knew it wasn't any more of a, a wonder or need somebody to interpret for me or, uh, and so at one point I knew, and that was like this, this, this process of coming to really believe, you know, the, the step two, it's interesting because you look at these steps in the beginning and you think you got this one, you check the box and you just walk off, right? You did that. Well, coming to believe is still happening. It's still happening. Uh, it's still happening to me as I watch my daughter struggle through her recovery. And, and, and I only say struggle because that's what it is for every one of us. Not that she's any different or struggling in particular or anything like that to watch that happen in her life. And then I actually get the times to be able to be her interpreter at times to say, you know what that is, don't you? Um, It's like the word, and again, I get hung up on words at times, like it says uh, what your higher power is slash embodies. And I get hung up on that bodies kind of thing because I don't, uh, there is a force out here doing something. I believe it. I, I, there's, it's too much happens. It's magic. <laughs> uh, I can't imagine that. It's just solely a course of pure evolution without any kind of guidance. I don't know. I just can't feel that. And like I said, uh, I will quickly tell everybody that wants to listen, I have no idea really, but I have experienced some stuff and I, and I felt what I felt. And when I say pragmatic, I mean, how can I use it? I really have no use for all these philosophies. And, 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 and again, if this works for you, okay, cool. That's all right, man. I don't care. I don't give a fuck about chakras. I don't. I don't give a fuck about the seventh level of blah, blah, blah. And did you do? And I read this book. Really? Can you use it in your life? Is it like a screwdriver can pick up and fix this problem? Yeah. Is it a hammer to help me solve my finances? What What is this used for? And some of these people, they get so caught up in the ideas and they're not walking any kind of tools. That's why I like our program. Our program is an action program. You're doing this shit. You're not thinking, oh, well, what is God? Give a fuck. God is you fucking showing up for work on time. God is you giving a fuck about somebody else beside yourself today. That's God. 
And I just had a sponsee say that yesterday. It's like, oh, man, this great thing happened. These people were touched. They want to help us out with this bill. That's God for sure. Yeah, it was. That something touched them in their heart center that made them feel like they wanted to help you all. And they went out of their way and did something they would normally not do. And then you're going to accept that in because I've taught you to receive that love. Yes, that's where God shows up in those moments. But we're looking for this. Like we always say, we look too high for God. Yeah. You know. Uh, but I, I'm out of the business of trying to figure out what it is. I want to know how can I grow closer to it so I can improve not just my conscious contact because I talk to higher power all day long. It's just I don't pray. I just talk to him all Me day too. long. I talk to myself and I've so, regeared that. Yeah. I'm like, you know, and my higher power accepts me if I'm saying like, God damn it, this fucking life sucks. And when I'm saying that, I'm saying the fucking world and its people and how sick it is. Yeah, it fucking sucks. And it's okay to be honest with your higher power about that shit. God didn't create that. We created that. We have created the earth the way it is. That is one thing I've learned thoroughly since I blamed God for my dad's alcoholism and everything else. It is not. It is the way the world is set up by man. <laughs> That's why we have people who are starving because selfish motherfuckers get a bonus of multi-millions of dollars. It's why the Ford workers are getting ready to go on strike. And I love it. That guy, I, you didn't see this, but on the news last night, their president, he took their proposals and he put it in a fucking waste bin behind his, over his shoulder before he even got on for the video. And it said... Uh, three proposals that mean nothing or something like that. He was basically throwing in the trash can because he was saying, you know, you're saying all these years that you're our friend and you care about we're a family. Well, I don't treat my family this way where I get a multi-bazillion dollar bonus. And meanwhile, we got people out here who can't make it on the paycheck they make. And I'm like, you speak, brother. Speak, brother, because that's what's destroying this world is greed and these people that have the power. And people think the politicians have the power. They have zero power. It's the people behind them. Stop fucking playing the game with them and picking sides and arguing with your neighbor. That's what they want. They want us to fight amongst ourselves because what does our state flag say in Kentucky? A house divided cannot stand. So that's they know what they're doing to play us all, man. It's all a game out there to them. While they're just making money and getting more power, and it's monopoly, and one day they're going to have all the chips, whether it's Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or whatever the fuck, and you ain't going to have nothing because they had you arguing over some bunch of bullshit. So people say, where's God in that? God's not nowhere in that, man. That's the darker side of man that these people can't be content with 10 billion. They got to have a hundred billion. And then I saw an article and I'm always paying attention for these articles because I want perspective. We are very American centric. We live in this bubble over here thinking we're the only fucking country on the planet. We're not. And so the question was, okay, if that's the true end of capitalism, then why aren't other countries having the problems we're having Hmm. with civil uprising and talk of civil war and shit like Sweden? It's like, you want to know why? Because they have limits on their capitalism. They do limit that a fucking CEO can't make a hundred bazillion dollars just because they decide to sign the paper and give it to themselves. They have to spread the love. Well, that's socialism. No, that's fucking having a heart. You stupid motherfucker. You wonder why you don't have a better life? Well, socialism. (laughs) Okay. What do you think Social Security is? What do you think your fucking Medicare is? That's a social program because we choose in this country to value our elders. And we say we're going to make a sacrifice and contribute some of my paycheck so that my grandmother doesn't have to be out on the street because we're not fucking heartless. That is not a bad thing. But these people, 
soon as somebody tries to challenge the power structure, they're going to butcher them with those terms. And you, oh, yeah, you're right. They're the devil. And they don't realize that's why you're poor. That's why the middle class is being destroyed. So what made me rant on that? Because, man, we have to live in this world and not be of it, right? If there's one thing we te- tell newcomers from day one in this program, just because you fucking get sober, the world ain't going to change. The miracle is that we don't have to use we still live in the same fucked up world and i'll still make the argument that it's worse today not because i'm getting older because it is worse it is worse today than it's ever been in terms of social problems we have and we are headed towards a pinpoint head where things are going to break don't kid yourself and so that's again powerless what can i do about it all i can do is my little bubble and how i handle myself today but i have to live in that world i walk through it i see it but how can i live through with a modicum of serenity and not let it destroy my frame of mind so that when I get to work and the first alcoholic who's sober two hours says something stupid and rude guy joins my class this week okay man I'll give you a chance to talk uh, we don't start you out hard on your first day we let you get used to the group a while but now that you've been in here I'll give you a chance to tell us a little bit about your story we start with name sobriety date alcoholic or addict wherever you want to start there first words out of the dude's mouth I have to do this dumbass class <laughs> First words, I didn't even know the person's name. I even said hello to the motherfucker. And I'm like, going, so again, if I let the world own me as I walk through that, what's going to be my response to that guy? I'm going to come through the screen and lose my job. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, I was like, okay, I hear you. I know you're not happy about why you're here, but let's try to leave that at the door, you know? Yeah. And sometimes I'm amazed at myself because that's what these tools do. Mm-hmm. They provide you the ability to be a sane, level-headed what does Bill say in the ninth step? I read it with one of my people yesterday. Calm, frank, and open. Yep. Calm. It's a mantra. Calm. <laughs> Sensible. Tactful. Yep. Yeah, I have a whole list of all those things in my on one sheet in my book where I pulled out all those little things that and Bill says. And do you says. know how hard that is with yep. the craziness happening all around us? You know, that be of in the world, not of it is is a Bible thing. That's a Jesus teaching. I'm still looking for a savior. And I'm not talking about a savior coming back second coming. Idiots talking about that shit, wishing on the end of the world. Well, that's a goal? You're wishing for the end of times? Yeah, what right, the fuck? Yeah. What about your grandkids? <laughs> don't you even care? Well, I'm just going to burn this world up because it's the end times. I don't care. I'm going to go be rapture and be with Jesus. <laughs> but to be able to still have hope and just to be able to still have some faith in humanity despite all that, if somebody was asking about that higher question, higher power question earlier, that's where it shows up. Mm-hmm. You have to walk it, and it'll show up. You can be say you're spiritual, but what are you doing in your daily life? You know. Um, oh, I, I've said the savior thing. So the savior for me is going to be somebody, just one person who comes out and says, "You know what? I don't give a fuck if you vote for me or not, but I'm going to tell you the truth. That's my only platform." I'm not going to talk to you about abortion. I'm not going to talk to you about social issues that I know are going to divide us. That's just a game they're playing. Every time they bring that shit up in the debate, I want you to know it's because they don't want to talk about what's really going on. What's really going on is you're getting fucking screwed. And they're going to take all the money and then they're going to leave when the country burns. They're going to go somewhere safe where they got their little hideout and you're going to be left behind. They might be on Mars for all we know. Jeff Bezos is already planning it out. So until somebody comes out and tells people the truth like that, we're just going on this cycle of just... 
I won. My side won. No, my side won. No, my side. Well, wait a minute. I thought we were all on the same side. <laughs> and most people are when they do these surveys of the population. Most people care about how do I raise my kids, provide for them, maybe even provide for college, you know, have health care, <laughs> have a reasonable grocery store bill. Where's that talk? Now, everything now, they've made everything politicized. That's the game. Okay. And the game is. It's show game. Yeah. So that the world burning and the fact that you won't have air to breathe because of fires now that's a political issue <laughs> i thought that was a human issue if i don't have air to breathe wait a minute how did what what did they do there you're right shell game they just fooled yep. me i listened to a podcast the other day with that chris williamson on that modern wisdom and there's a guy that's named eric weinstein or weinstein one of the two and he he popped on some of that like for instance he's like this we got to get off this planet and go to Mars. He said, Mars is not the right planet. We need to be thinking bigger than that. Well, our, our, our physicists are stuck in their old thinking and that's not what physics is. We got to think beyond Mars. Mars is not the right place. to take us to a different universe or something. <laughs> and he also got into the talk on there about this, that constructed thing in that whole shell game too. That was really, uh, I, I heard it. You know, once in a while somebody talks and you hear it more than some other time. Uh, and about that, um, this construct that's like kind of like living in the Matrix. They got this other game going on that you don't get to play and uh, and you never will get to play it. No, you're not part of the club. And, and the minute you try to how much open money it up, you make either. they will smash you. That's right. If you begin to rise to that, like the, the political candidate that comes out and says what you just said, they'll, they'll find him dead. You know, he'll be hanging off of a bedpost in jail or something. And that is what's, you know, there, there's some scuttlebutt about a lot of deaths that's happened that were very suspect. And it's been, you know, potentially attributed to that reason. My old teacher, Marion, used to talk about the bounty of God's world that's been provided to us. There is more food and resources on this planet, particularly back in the early 80s when she was saying this. Now, I thought things have gotten worse that we could feed everybody if we wanted to, period. We could give everybody safe shelter if we wanted to. That's just not our priority. Yeah. And again, you can't blame God for that. That's no. on us. Yep. Free will. It's what we're, what So that's something I wanted doing. to say earlier too, when you're getting into all these other areas about whether it's the world or whether what your sponsee is doing because they're codependent and all that stuff, just take perspective about how good we have it. That is one of those gratitude gifts we get from this program of being able to have that perspective that no matter what else is going on, there's people in this world who don't have running water. There's people in that most of them, there's most of these people have to shit in a bucket. They're fucking running through piles, mountains of garbage to find something to salvage so they can have something to eat today. Yep. They got these sewage the Jesus canals Christ. running through even the cities. Like and I'm going to sit back in my easy, lazy boy and sit here and go, well, I think this side is wrong because this politics, you know, dude, dude, dude. You have more than ever in the planet. Uh, we do have more bounty in America than ever any species has ever had on this planet. Hunger is not a problem And this is country. what we're doing with it. The baby boomers, which is I'm on the tail end of, they failed us. I admit it. They're fucking suck. You know, they went through the 60s. You would have thought they were going to be the salvation of humanity. No, they turned around to be the worst nightmare of humanity. Most entitled, selfish motherfuckers. And all they do is sit around and complain. 
what'd you do today? Oh, well, let's see here. I played golf and then I went and got a spa treatment and I went and shopped on Amazon and got some stuff. But let me tell you, there's this bullshit that they're doing in Washington. Complain, complain, and bitch and moan. That's all they do. That is one thing recovery takes out of you is you don't have to bitch and moan because most of the times you're sitting around thinking about how good you have it compared to most people. Yep. If you, yeah, if you do. And if you have a sponsor who does is not doing that, what do you do? You send them to the healing place for a meeting. Yeah. Go to a fucking healing place meeting and see what's waiting for you if you keep that attitude of ingratitude. Yeah. Right? Yep. So why do we go off on this? Well, it's interesting because the question came about God. And it's like, yeah, but I've got to deal with this world the way it is. And I think that's being realistic. There was a book that came out with... Uh, um, who was the woman who studied the primates? Jane Goodall. Mm -hmm. She wrote this book about humanity's future and stuff. And she, she started with the dark side. And people were surprised because they thought, this is sweet little old Jane Goodall. Why is she being so mean? And she, I heard her in an interview say, I knew that if I started with the everything is good, nobody's going to read this fucking book because that's not the world we live in. Hmm. That's not the way it is. So, again... I think it's healthy that they came out. We got a little dark there, got a little out there, because that's reality. That's honesty. That's that's what we strive for in recovery, not sitting there like, everything's fine. It's going to be okay. No, no. In fact, when I'm calling one of my people for support, I'm going to vomit garbage on them first, and then we can talk about spirituality, because I need to expel that poison before I'm willing to look at the fucking tools. Yeah. But I do know people in recovery that are hiding behind the tools, and I, I get scared. I get away from them because I'm afraid they're going to blow when they're pretending that everything is all spiritual and great. And I'm like, what world are you living in, bro? Honesty, honesty, honesty. It's the most important part of our program. It's one of our most foundation in the triangles. And then Bill uses that term three times in the first paragraph of how it works. Stop covering up. So I'm passionate about these things because I do care about humanity, but boy, it's hard some days, you know? Yeah. I stick my head in the sand. I know. That's okay. That's your, that's your style. It's who you are. And it's funny, you know, you and I are in different spectrums on some things, but when you get to the humanity piece, we're aligned. And mm -hmm. I think that's where most people sure, are. Yeah. We care about our families. We care about basic human rights. Yeah. Freedom, independence. I don't want anybody fucking with my freedom. Yep. You know? So what is your all-time favorite experience slash story in recovery? That's also another hard question. My all-time favorite. Go for it. Well, it's when I read it, and, I, man, I would have to revisit my miracle list, but I'll say what first came to mind as far as, like, that miracle was doing the amends right there with that dude who had taken that baseball bat and that pepper spray to me and both of us standing there with tears in our eyes. And, uh, again, that God, knowing what God is uh, has for me and executing it and being in concert with my higher power uh, that moved me uh, an awful lot and that's what come up first but golly you know one of the best advices you ever gave me was to start that miracle list and uh, and uh, you know it's pages long in my phone today so to go and rank one it's kind of like what's this is the best thing about recovery this is the most astonishing thing about recovery uh, that miracle list is too to try and come in there and rank it and knowing that it's not over yeah i'm still building I'm on it. so you know next week i could have something that becomes the best thing yeah yeah and it has slowed down i'll say that they've come like fire for the first few years uh 
Uh, maybe. Well, no, let's not say they slow down. Let's say they're more a part of your daily life. Yeah, so maybe you just I'm sort not, of take them that's for what granted. I, was going to say. I might be, yeah. I may be not ranking them up there because they were so powerful when I was so far down. Right. That they're become regular now, and I don't give them the credit that they should get. I don't write as many down anymore, but I still write them down. And again, they're my miracles too. This is another one to thine own self be true kind of theme. Some of this stuff may not mean anything to somebody else. It means something to me. Mm-hmm. You're right. It's awful hard to pick. Um, I do remember a moment, though, if you want to just go with moments. And um, because of meeting that random musician when I was working in the art gallery and striking up a conversation about music and finding out they had this project where they were going to mix Gregorian monk chanting from the Trappist monks in Gethsemane with the Buddhist monks that were traveling in the United States. And we got to record inside Mammoth Cave, which was just amazing. We recorded at the church uh, down in Bargetown at the monastery. And uh, we recorded at that Zen temple, which was like being in Japan. I mean, literally this thing is hand built out of wood. It's amazing, you should try it sometime. Um, I wouldn't mind going back. Um, you're just sitting there and look at the mountains, that's all that's around you in this little Zen temple. It really feels like you're in feudal Japan back in the samurai days or something. But I remember sitting there, um, I guess it's hard to pick either, but both times I was in the personal close company of the, higher, of the Dalai Lama. Mm and feeling that presence that you know there's something going on there that you can't explain. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was like just meditating and listening to him read the scripture when he was doing his, or the text when he was doing his, the Kala Chakra ceremony for nine days. And I'm sitting there in the 10th row, like dead on with the guy and I'm just staring at him. And I start seeing these different different visages of the different dilemmas that I've seen in pictures start to show through his face. And it freaked me out, dude. I Mm -hmm. thought I was just making this up. I'm like, this is a trick of my mind. I was like, I'm just gonna go with it. And um, it makes you feel small when you're around the presence of somebody who really means something that deeply to the history of that culture. Like, I don't know if you were standing, sitting in the presence of Peter the, the Great from Russia or, or uh, Julius Caesar or whatever. These are founding, foundation people in our history that, um, to them, that, that's their whole lineage is the Dalai Lama. And, um, and realizing what that means to them and making you feel just so small comparatively and that you don't know anything about it. It's so exotic and so different from what you were raised with and everything. And to be that close and just feel that presence. And you're like, I don't know jack shit when it comes to spirituality when you meet a person like that, right? And yet he's just a cool dude. He jokes, he laughs, he has flaws, he talks about himself and his faults. And um, I remember this interview they did with him. CNN was very honored. It's a rare interview. I don't know if you can even find it on YouTube. They were honored to to be with him from the moment he woke up, before he woke up, for his whole day. And no other journalist had been granted that kind of a, a, a view of what he does. And so they showed him literally like getting up. He was exercising with these rubber bands and shit and doing his meditation and eating his breakfast. 
I was eating his breakfast, and for some reason they had a television on in the room, and they had the uh, Paris model annual show with these models going down the runway and shit. And they said, I'm just curious, what do you think, you know, as you're eating your breakfast, you're looking at this? And he just goes, oh, 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 the way he laughs. And he was just saying that it's just kind of nonsense, you know, it's not really working on your inner spirit and stuff. But then he immediately shifted and started talking about something he was struggling with with one of his character defects. And it's like, but I still struggle with this, so I know that I need to do work. It's, I'm not trying to say that they're doing anything wrong. Or he immediately turned it back on himself. Mm-hmm. So that's a sign of somebody that's a true master, you know. Um, but to pick a moment, shoot, where do you start? Yeah, no. I used to sit up, we used that's to sit up in the old the stadium, the Gophers, mind. the Minnesota, uh, University of Minnesota Gophers. They were tra- They were going to destroy the stadium, but for a year it stood up. Then we used to go up there after our meeting and sit in the very top row. And me and Jamie would have these conversations all night. Mm. Just to have the whole place to ourselves. Occasionally there'd be a runner running the track down there, but it was so far down there, it didn't affect what we were doing. Um, just so much fun and so many different experiences. Yep. It's hard to... Yep, I just popped the first thing come to my mind when I read the question. There are. There's tons of moments and all-time favorite experience. There is not one. Not one. There's a bunch of them. Couldn't rank them. There's even some from before sobriety. Um, <laughs> just the short story is we had to go through this long term first go up to audition at the university and then we had to come back and audition at this theater on broadway and paul newman came walking through the room and they we knew they were only gonna pick 10 of us guys and uh, and it's it either sink or swim and then you know they they told us that we needed to wait because um, they'd already seen enough from the other people so they could go home but when they needed to see more from us and we're sitting there going Jesus Christ I don't get anything more in the tank dude you've worn us out all fucking day dance singing doing your monologue blah, blah, blah. can you do this let's hear your speech let's hear your tone blah, blah. And, uh, and can you do any gymnastics blah, blah, blah. and so we're sitting there going what the fuck could you want from us and they pull us in there and they go we just wanted to congratulate you because you're the class of 1984 mm. to, to be welcome to the university we went berserk I mean people you don't even know you're jumping on them and screaming like you just won the lottery and I took off and I started running down Broadway to the hotel where my mom was staying like a maniac I'm running through red lights and almost getting hit by traffic because I'm flying on the wings of this is it this is the fucking thing I've always wanted in my life get to the hotel I'm banging on the door she thinks it's a fucking crook trying to break in and shit so who is it it's your fucking son dude um, and then we went out and celebrated I think we went to club 21 or whatever it is the restaurant 21 that's really exclusive very few people get to go there um we were staying at the waldorf this is all these experiences i had back in the day that my dad knew where to go and so she had taken my mom so that's how she knew to pick those places and those are places that today would cost an arm and a freaking leg and somehow we got to have those experiences so but again there's all these little moments of your life it's your whole journey it's not just recovery right yep Cause I got tons of great. You got that moment past, of man. traveling on the canoe with your brother oh, down the river, cousin, or whatever. Yeah, when well, me and Ted went down the river, and that's one of the first things that pop as you're speaking. A bunch of outdoor experiences is, has popped up. I can uh, remember fishing with Dad and having just a blast catching bluegill. Man, I mean, it just was there. Just was nothing any funner at that moment. I remember one time the Patoka Lake used to have trees grew in it because they flooded the ground you know for a long time there was trees sticking up everywhere and uh i remember there's a great big old crotch and dad dropped me off in that crotch of the tree 
and I'm sitting and they they come over to the other side of the fish and we were fishing them from both directions and uh, I think back of that vision of standing there in the crotch of a tree that was growing up out of the water and catching them fish and throwing them to him to put in the cooler just fun stuff I have had a I've had a blessed life no doubt there's tons of uh not not since getting sober it's been great but and again that's that new vision that chuck chamberlain talks about yeah your your eyes have been changed that you're able to look past all the darkness don says and say i had a really good life (laughs) i'd have told you that we were poor and uh, and keith lewis says it too his his idea of what his childhood was like isn't the same idea now as what it was when he Keith Lewis it. says, I'd have told you my biggest beef in life was my dad never told me he loved me. Yeah. And he told me he loved me a lot. And it wasn't until I tried to make amends to him that I realized I was the one that wouldn't accept it because yeah. I was pissed at him or whatever. Yep. Yep. So yeah, new pair of glasses, man. You see things different perception. So here's the ultimate question we ask. I bring it up in aftercare group all the time. I'll ask Shane, I'll ask Travis, I always get the same answer. Would you, Dan Reeves, trade what the program has given you today for $20 million tax-free? I'd give it to you in cash right now. No way you couldn't do it. How about $50 million? Yeah. No. How about a billion? Yeah. You couldn't buy this. I wouldn't trade it. For nothing. There is nothing on this earth you could give me that I would exchange for what this program has given me. Yeah. And we cannot get people to do it for free. It's crazy. It is crazy. So, All great right. questions. This, really great questions. What currently challenges oh, you? Oh, one more. We got two more. Two more. Okay. What currently challenges you the most in your spiritual journey after 38 slash 7? So, they're a year behind on both of us. Well, I wonder what the date of this email is. What currently challenges you the most in your spiritual journey after all these years of recovery and intentionally working on yourself daily? Currently, it's in capital letters. All right, I'm going to go for broken laid out there. I am confronting firsthand, which I've always knew, that our food supply is poison. And when you get to a certain age, your lifestyle catches up with you, as I tried to warn you all earlier. So I'm having more feelings of being old and joints and this and that, which I know is the result of bad habits that I've been able to get away with in the past, but you can't get away with as your body ages. And so having to walk in that body and say, okay, so I'm looking at making some major changes, but how do I navigate that in a world that is so fucking sick? So like, for instance, this week, I'm trying to eat well. Come to work on Monday, or I guess it was Tuesday because it was Labor Day. Hey, Chris, we got donuts back there, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, Diane. We got this one nurse named Diane, God bless her. She's like everybody's great grandmother. She's always bringing in treats and sweets. and. She thinks it's a good thing. And I'm like, stop. I don't need a fucking donut first thing in the morning with that sugar rush. Worst thing I put in my fucking body, right? I got nothing else in my stomach. And then we had the cops come for their suicide training this week. And they always have Moe's. And with Moe's comes queso dip. And you think I'm not having some fucking queso dip and chips? You're out of your goddamn mind. But it's free. It's right there. It's You can smell it. You come out your door. It's right there in the hallway. What are you going to do? Walk past? Oh, yeah, I'm not going to let that bother me. And then Thursday was Chick-fil-A. I said to my group, I said, like, I'm not going to get Chick-fil-A. Fuck y'all. And so you're trying to navigate. The, I always laugh at some of these speakers on YouTube and stuff. Say, you just need to eat right. You don't need supplements. 
Are you fucking out of your mind? Name me one person in the real world who eats right navigating this landscape where everywhere you look is shit. Everywhere you look is shit food. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know how it's been treated. That burger at McDonald's, that is not a burger. <laughs> that is not a grass-fed, organic, lean meat burger. Um, and having to make those choices and, and try and walk a better program for your health, but finding out that, oh, fuck, I heard a speaker say yesterday, she believes the greatest, and she was an expert on addictions of all areas, the greatest addiction we have not confronted in this country is food. And it's because they made the food supply so addictive. That's it. That's not people's fault. And you rarely hear that in people's discussions of obesity and why are people eating shitty foods. It's because they're fucking addicts. You created them. You put too much salt, sugar, and fat in there, and now if they're going to eat a piece of broccoli, they're going to get a nanogram, a half a nanogram of dopamine from a piece of broccoli when they're going to get that 100 grams from a fucking Big Mac. So what do you think an animal is going to go for? You put that in a cage with a rat. Of course, the rat's going to go for the fucking Big Mac, right? And people are dying. They're dying left and right. I just saw this amazing movie on YouTube about um, how the healthcare system is all built on treating illness. So they don't want you to get well. You know, we got medicines for that. And, we, and, and they're all the doctors on there were all saying we're trained on procedures. We're not trained on health. We don't, yeah. we can, we don't get any education on nutrition. And a doctor that comes, and you go to any doctor today and you've got an issue that shows up on your blood work and they don't ask you, what are you eating? How often does that happen with a doctor? And they were very candid to say, well, most of the doctors I talk to say they're not going to change anyway. You can talk to them about it, but it's wasted breath. They're just, and why are they not going to change? Because they're fucking addicts. Why is a heroin addict not going to stop using heroin because you lecture at them? Because you have a white coat. They're, of course they're going to use. They're a fucking heroin addict. So for anybody out there that's struggling with this, yes. When it comes to walking a spiritual program, say, well, maybe I'm powerless and I can work these tools. It's not that simple. It's kind of like well, if you're an early person in recovery and you live in the ghetto where the fucking dealer's outside your door or the liquor store's across the street, that's going to be a little bit harder to navigate that landscape and get sober. And it's the same deal. And not only that, but you know, they were talking about the commercials on TV. Sit back sometime and watch the shit they're pushing you. Coca-Cola, pizza, fucking and hamburger, fucking, and it's all shit. It's all, and they're and they're making it look so good. That burger on the screen ain't the burger you're buying. No, I'm the down the road. You know, I don't watch TV, but you can't escape it because you ride down the road and there's these big signs and all the colorful looking pointing you down to come here and a big burger banner is out on the road and so you don't even you know you don't even have to watch tv to be exposed to it but i know that higher power has brought all these things to my table now to prevent something from getting worse and i'm i'm awake i'm more awake than i've ever been to it you know we have these multiple factors that happened to all of us we had covid and then we had that isolation and then we had depression and darkness and we had the fucking politics and stuff that's all dark in our country right now so what are we going to do we're going to sit at home and eat something What's the easiest way to console yourself, right? I won't turn on something I don't want to think. Just watch TV and eat the shit. And before you know it, 10 pounds becomes 20 pounds. You're like, what the fuck happened? And that's part of growing older. Your body just can't, you're not yeah. working it off as much. And, you know, for me, the COVID fucking killed my gym. We weren't able to go to the gym. And then the gym ended up going out of business. And so I haven't found the right place for me to go back to yet. So I'm and doing my own thing. Yeah, it was a pool, right? And there's very few in Louisville that are decent. Um, so, yeah, challenges are going to abound the rest of your recovery. But try to listen to your higher power because I will tell you, this spirit will come through. It'll throw you a link to a video. Dan will send me shit. And I'll be like, holy shit, this is right on topic for what I needed to, to see. 
Um, and my eyes are wide open now, and I'm seeing a lot of other people starting to become aware of this. Our food supply is poison. I cannot say that strongly enough. And I'm not a zealot. I'm not saying you can't have a box of Orioles every now and then. I'm just saying that, God damn, wake the fuck up what you're putting in your mouth. Yeah. And you're going to come in here and tell me you got anxiety? You can come in here and tell me you're depressed? I gave this lecture to my group yesterday. What are you eating? Mm-hmm. Directly resulting to your mood. So... Um, Again, these little things we don't know that when I say to people that your gut is your immune system, that's where it exists. And I say to people that actually they're calling your gut now your second brain hmm. because you have more neural transmitters in your gut than you do in your brain. Who the fuck knew that? I didn't learn that till this past week. Hmm. You have more neural transmitters in your gut than you do in your brain. Wow. And they're also talking about the new development. They're calling now Alzheimer's diabetes three because that's the result of it. Too much fucking sugar in the diet. That's a major contributor they're finding out for for Alzheimer's. Not entirely proven, but they're now calling it diabetes three, the doctors that are clued in. So again, are you getting this from your regular doctor? Are you getting this from the news? No, they're telling you eat more shit. Not easy, man, I'm telling you. This is gonna be a journey, but I'm going on it. I am going on it. I've already got good habits. It's just, I got lazy and it's too easy to get lazy convenience right i don't want to spend an hour making something i'm just going to pop this box in the microwave you know or i'm going to stop here and get this quick thing bullshit you know yeah. and then you hate yourself later right i want to eat that garbage yeah. <laughs> i started getting those fresh fruit boxes delivered to me and i get six of them a week man and it's restaurant quality food and quality food too and not any bullshit in it you know and it tastes good and they you know the nutrition stuff looks i know it's better than what i would get someplace else and easier and a portion it's, control it's real ingredients it's, it's not real all food preservatives yeah. and yeah chemicals and, and to make it taste good with spices uh not salt and pepper that's what they say if you if it's the ingredients are things you have in your cabinet it's okay to eat yeah. it but if it says mono whatever the fuck that's garbage yeah. yeah and it doesn't keep you gotta eat it it's not it's got a one week time some frame from when you get it to when you gotta have it ate and uh and there's been the number one reason why they say the food supply is poison they actually they said the reason this happened was was for the shelf life yeah that the food would last longer and they could make money selling it yep and you know i don't know my my mind goes that you know i don't think that they actually said ha 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 we're going to get these no it's profit it's profit it's money it's making you know but in some level like making it last longer You'd almost want to make it sell last shorter so that you could sell it to go bad on people. No, what would happen is it'd go back on this grocery shelf and they'd have to go throw bad it on the shelf. Away. Yeah. Because it wouldn't sell in time. Yeah. There's not enough sell through for yeah. that to happen. Yeah. But just yeah, like, again, you know, once it's upon not the time that conspiracy. Again, they're in the for the quarterly profits. Yeah, they have the to keep greed. making the money. Yep. And they know they're not going to make money on a product that is not selling because it's got good health in it for instance i used to and i always say don't use instant oatmeal but i will tell you the quaker has a high fiber instant oatmeal that's like one serving is 36 percent of your fiber that day that's one little bowl of that shit right so that's pretty damn close to making it in your pot and i can't find it anymore Hmm. all of a sudden it just disappeared off the shelves it's like huh so people aren't buying it now here's one more healthy alternative that's gone off the shelf. I looked on Amazon. I can still get on there. I'm going to have to go there to get some. Um, but that's how difficult it is to navigate. It's almost like we're falling into this hole where we're supporting it based on our food choices and what we're buying. And they just keep pushing it to us because that's what they're buying. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a loaded question, but that's mine. What's yours that you're struggling with? 
and be honest, because I was. Put your, put your feet to the fires. Yeah. I don't want to say it, and I've said it before, though, so it's not like I've kept it a secret, but I am, I am struggling with my judgment of other people. I am constantly finding myself nitpicking what other people are doing or not doing. And it's not like it's over, it's not like it's steering me too bad, but it's, uh, it feels like a poison thought that, and it's just one of the things that, you know, I know I shouldn't be thinking that way. I, it's not good. It's none of my, it's none of my business what they're doing and they're on their journey and they're where they're at on their journey. And I got, you know, so intellectually I know all that shit, but I can't make the wheel quit turning. I, uh, like, you know, I'm having trouble listening to shares. Sometimes I feel like uh, I'm sitting in a meeting and we're having a dick measuring contest on how good one share can be. (laughs) And, you know, who can do the most dramatic fucking share tonight? And I just lose interest. I'm like, you know, now we're in a contest here to see who, kind of like earlier, you know, that's, uh, who's the most spiritual? We're going to have a contest tonight. And I just find myself judging other people in that way. And, uh, and it does affect my relations with them too, because I don't want to be a dude who is known as a sourpuss, you know, and I don't want to get to be in where I am a sourpuss, but, uh, that's kind of what it does. It drives me from being able to be, uh, that ain't who my higher power wants me to be. And my brain won't quit doing it. But I'm conscious about it, and you know, again, just praying on stuff and turning it over. And uh, I've spoke to you about it some, uh, and sharing about it in meetings. You know, I don't want to because I'm sitting here going like there was not too long ago as a topic in a TSSR meeting, and uh, and I, what my brain tells me I'm everybody now everybody thinks I'm judging them, <laughs> and I am. <laughs> uh, yeah, but on the other hand of that, there's somebody else there who also is struggling and afraid to say that they're struggling with it. So your bravery to bring that up, just like the Me Too movement, can start a cascade of people finding their way out. Same thing with the food issue. I am never going to be one of those guys who's going to preach, you got to be a vegan and how dare you eat those Oreos. No, fuck that shit. You got to enjoy yourself. I agree. And I will tell you, there's a part of me that's, that's, I think you feel this way if you don't mind me outing you about the nicotine. Yeah. It's like, what else have I got? Yeah. God fucking damn it. You give up everything else in recovery. You got to have some guilty yeah. pleasures. Yeah. And I'm trying to do it in the least, but see, that's the least harmful thing. way. Least harmful way I can do it. But the thing is, is like, you know, I go back and I go, you know, at one point, the doctors was telling it was smoking cigarettes in the office. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and uh, they had them on TV and stuff advertising it. You know, and the same thing with this food preservation thing. You know, and the same thing with vaping. We don't know what we don't really know that vaping's any better than smoking. Uh, it's it's put out there that way, and I don't really know if these nicotine pouches are as least amount of harmful as I think they are. Uh, I do think they're more on the, they are as far as delivery vehicles that are available today. Uh, it's surely not as bad as smoking and it's surely not as bad as dipping. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you're right. And that's the thing, you know, that whole I'm thing a big about believer like, in minimizing harm. There's nothing wrong with yeah. that. You know, I drink coffee because coffee has phytonutrients in it and yep. it's actually anti-cancerous and it's got great qualities to it if you don't fucking load yourself up. But the monster drink, it's yeah. pure fucking poison. Yeah. They'd say that's one of the worst things you can put in your body yeah. is a monster drink. I haven't drink. had one in a couple of weeks now. And it just happened by accident, too. I never did draw no line and say, I got to quit these things. I didn't do anything like that. I ran out one day and I didn't drink one the next day. 
and I was okay. And I didn't drink one again, and I didn't drink one again, and I just never have bought any more. So there's this whole school of thought, and there's a science behind it, and I wasn't aware of it till this past couple of weeks. I've been going down the rabbit hole listening to all these great, great teachers. There's this approach to not smoking where they say, I want you to do it mindfully, and they, and they will tell you, I want you to spend an entire day where you're going to do nothing but be aware of the entire experience of smoking. Like when you're taking that puff, feel it go into you. Feel what it does to you. Feel when you breathe out, like be completely present. And there's having tremendous success that hmm. people are coming out the other end going, this sucks. Mm -hmm. Because most of what they're doing is not being aware. So I've tried to do that with the bag of Cheetos or something. It's the same deal. I heard this woman say this yesterday. It's astounding how that first hit and you're expecting that payoff. It gives you that. That first bite of Cheetos, it's you're reliable. like, this is the best fucking food in the world. Second bite, a little less. Third bite, a little less. By Get down to the bottom bite, of the bag, and you're like, fourth mm, bite, you're chasing well it. Him. You're chasing it. That's what she said. She said she's heard heroin addicts use the term chasing the dragon. You're chasing the dragon on the Cheeto uh. bag. Um, so if I can bring it, I tell my patients this all the time with therapy, you bring it to the frontal cortex, which is your awareness, your executive functioning, then you can make, okay, I don't have to eat the whole bag. Or then I can make a choice like, okay, if I'm gonna eat this, I'm also gonna eat an apple. Um, with the Chick-fil-A, I had a banana that I brought. I could have easily said, fuck the banana, let's get a candy bar. No, fuck, stop, whoa. Because <laughs> that's what happens. You get a little taste of it. The addictive quality makes you want yep. more. Same phenomenon of craving. It is, it is. You have fatty foods and shitty foods, sugar. It immediately sets up this craving for more because it yep. spikes you and then you crash. The glucose crashes and your body's going to automatically tell you, replace that. This isn't yep. good. You're crashing. And that's why you're more likely to overeat on that junk too. You know, yeah. if you've got more healthy stuff, you're not going to eat know the whole they said head of the broccoli. Real, you know what they said the real culprit was? And I know it's easy to say sugar and that's correct. Said the real culprit is oil. Said the amount of oils that Americans drink and think it's healthy, yeah. even if it's olive oil, it's still not. It's not. It's a distilled, concentrated form of that plant. The olive might have good properties, but that shit, look at how many calories for a teaspoon, 120 calories. You add a couple here salad, that's 500 calories right yeah. there from oil. And most of the processed food, that's all that is, is oil. That's how they make it. And the worst oils, of course, palm oil. Yeah. I heard that guy say MTC oil. I've been seeing that all over the place. Oh, yeah. That guy that you sent me the other day, because they make some coffee. They put People put it in their coffee. Huh. Uh, to get that, because I don't think it's very flavorful, but it's, I see. Uh, it's a way to get that. Supposedly, that's a good oil uh -huh. to ingest. No, that is correct. They, they do deliver like omega threes, and um, there's some there's positive benefits. It's the quality, their quantity. I'm sorry that we're exposed to just yeah, so right. much because it's in everything. It's in your Cheetos. It's in your everything. I mean, I'm going to see this guy today who's dying from cancer, and we accept that because oh well, you know that happens. People get cancer, people get heart disease, you know, that just happens, right? Yeah. Well, well, not necessarily. It's because we're not living a good lifestyle that's yep. trying to tell us something. Well, it definitely has hit me lately about the, the amount of chemicals I've subjected myself to over the years mm -hmm. of spray paints and paint thinners and gas fumes and gasoline and changing oil and getting your not putting gloves on, not putting anything on it. And, you know, they talk about the, the absorption rate through your skin. Uh, and bringing all that stuff into your body, you know, it's a, it's no wonder <laughs> that you get cancer after dealing with all these toxic stuff all our lives. You'd have to be, you know, and I know I probably, you know, I, but let's say if you were a mechanic and you had your hands in that shit every day, all day long, 
soaking up petroleum. Uh, it makes only perfect sense to me that that's going to have a problem. That's going to cause you a problem. And I don't want people to feel hopeless because, again, going back to the point, yeah, nothing against bring, the mechanics. If you bring it to your awareness and you're conscious, this is what we do in sobriety. Okay, what are your triggers? What, what, yeah. what when do you usually drink or drug? Be aware of who you are. Know yourself. Um, same deal with the eating or anything else, lifestyle choices, smoking, whatever it is. Just know that if I'm aware of it, I can maybe not have one less cigarette today. Yeah. I can maybe not, you know, go totally crazy, but have something healthy with my meal. Yeah. And those little changes will make a difference. Eventually, you'll change completely. Um, but, yeah, I mean, life, like I said, I guess it's an earlier question. Life just never stops throwing challenges at yeah, you. Right. You don't get there, folks. This is a process of becoming. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and it's not easy. <laughs> this person uh, has one day more. at a time, though, it's easy. <laughs> one more question in right. here. And uh, they're funny. probably wore out. They're like, oh, these guys would shut seven. up. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, when people say that, but, you know, uh, there's, we are at 3.30. Three hours and 30 minutes. Nice. Um, Go for the record. What's the longest one you ever did? I don't know off the top of my head. We're getting there. Uh, I think it was it. a TSSR one. <laughs> might have been. I think it was. And this thing has a pause button. You, that's what I tell people. You don't have to bite these things all off in one. You know, I don't have three hours. <laughs> well, do you have 10, 30 minutes? You know, I mean, or don't listen to it. That's okay with me, too. But don't think that you have to. I, I have a luxury of being able to bite them off in big chunks, but at times I don't, and I pause it. Just like I read a 20-hour book on my well, ears. How many podcasts or things do you listen to in the car? You get out and go in the store, you come back out, listen some pick more. Pick it back yeah. up, right, no doubt. Yep, and I have my earbuds in all the time. I hit that pause button when I got something where I got to listen, I pick it back up, and I certainly couldn't bite off a 24-hour book. Well, I just book. say that they've been great questions. So. Yep, me too. Very great questions, everybody out there. Thank you for that. Uh, what does frustration look like for you today as opposed to before? 30, it says 38 slash 7, so as opposed to before recovery, what does frustration look like you look like for you today opposed you exactly. to before? Before raving lunatic. I literally was screaming at people, losing my shit, knowing I'm embarrassing myself in public in the middle of the restaurant, but I don't give a fuck because I'm so fucking caught up with my bullshit. I'm just going to go for it and break something or do something that I'm going to have to regret and make amends for later. Zero fucking control over myself. But as the result of both this program and meditation... This morning, this past week, man, I come into the group, my computer is dead. I'm like, okay, we'll reboot. It reboots and then tells me it has no hard drive. What the fuck? I know it's got a hard drive. What the fuck is this? So I reboot again. Now it won't even turn on. My computer is dead in the water. I'm three minutes to nine. Group is go supposed to go, okay? And it's aftercare day. It's not just my people. And it's not, well, I'll save this for later. So that's all I knew at that point. I go get my boss. Thank God he was on property. He's not always on property. I said, well, what the fuck are we going to do? I don't know. Let me see if I can fix it. I don't think you're going to fix it in time. Let me just borrow so-and-so's computer. Well, you'll have to boot it up, and you'll have to reformat, and you'll have to sign into your Zoom. And I said, I'll figure it out. And so I'm doing what I got to do. But I wasn't, like, freaked. I wasn't like, ah! See, I was a past, Mr. Bill. I, I was just like, okay, we'll do this next, do this next. 
times away is 905. I get in there and now I find out I've got the other group in there too, because apparently this person had a flat tire on the way to work. So she's not there. So I got all these people in there staring at me and I'm like, okay, hang in there guys. Now I got two censuses to do and I'm trying to sort through and who's in aftercare and okay, put all this down. We got to get this in order. Okay. We're going to get the meditation going. I don't even have it queued yet. Let me get it queued up. Oh shit. It's not on my computer. So it's not logging into YouTube. So now I got to sit through this ad before we have the computer. Hey, do you want this in your life? No, we're trying to chill. Yeah. And so all the shit's going wrong, right? Everything the fuck you expected was just going to be a smooth ride coming to work. Everything's going fucking wrong. And Christopher is the center of the storm, calm as a fucking eye of a hurricane. Everything is like chill. And I stand back and I watch that guy and I go, who the fuck are you? That is not your nature. That is not who you've been in the past. Yeah. And so you talk about frustration, that's what it looks like. And I would put the, the, the meditation as the number one tool, learning how to... Let it go. Take a fucking breath. There is nothing in this world, even if the nuclear weapons are bearing down on you, that cannot be waited for the taking of one breath. And when you take that one breath, you are able to reset and be sensible and not be a maniac. And I was never able to, and I hated myself. I'd spend the rest of the night beating myself up. Why you, why do you act like that, dude? You, why'd you say that to your own mom? Who the fuck does that? There's this picture of me. I've said it before. It's really emblematic of myself back in the day. We were, t we were down in Florida, one of those family vacation trips and Christopher doesn't have access to all of his dope. Like he does at home, but he has some, but he's trying to maintain and use it judiciously. And so we're at Bush gardens. My last thing you want to do is take an attic who's hurt and do a fucking amusement park. And we're sitting there and I'm sitting on this fucking curb, a little side thing by a garden or whatever. And my brothers, I've got my little cousin, over here and he's probably i don't know seven and i got my little youngest brother who's six and they're sitting on my side and my mom goes let's take a picture smile for everybody and i look right at the camera and i just with my fucking aviators i'm hiding behind the world and i just stick my fucking middle finger out and there's this picture of these two kids on either side of me half smiling and half stunned i don't think they realize what's going on but then they might and then here's christopher and representing his glory with the fucking fuck you finger to the world. Hmm. Yeah, that's the truth of where we start and where I come from. Yeah. And that's what frustration looks like back in the old days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was 180 degrees the other direction, man. I was a bottle it up, stuff it, feeling like I'm going to explode. I did not. I, I, you know, if I come, if I got verbal, it had gone really far. Uh, it didn't happen too much. I would just... And uh, and that would end up, you know, and, and that was some of the, you know, I could get relief from that by using and swallowing it up, drinking it away or whatever it happened, whatever chemical I happened to be on at the time. And I always said my number one, my number one uh, uh, coping mechanism was bolting, was shut down. And uh, my wife would always talk about me shutting down when when things got heated i would just completely shut down and i thought back to you know as time went by i thought back to uh, when i was a kid and if i would shut down i would sleep forever i could sleep a whole day because i didn't want to face the next day shit was just too fucking hard so i'll just sleep through tomorrow and and you know you feel mom and dad are you feel okay no i don't feel good you know and just just completely go into my shell turtle in a shell 
but I'll credit the same thing, meditation. Uh, learn to meditate. And and with that, the breathing and this thing, what I can do today, I can turn, sometimes I purposely turn the channel when I'm getting ready to play a one role from another role because of my roles are fairly different wherever I'm at, as most of us are. And, uh, and I use those techniques to change the channel, but also when life gets stressy, those same tools can change the channel. It's kind of like that same thing about starting your day over kind of idea of uh, take a minute and reset. Mm-hmm. It's a reboot button, a meditation is. It, it, you can even see it when you're in a disagreement conversation with a insurance representative or a whatever company, and you're like, okay, we're going here. I can feel it. But if I take that breath and pause when agitated, we, we can actually reset and I can say, okay, let me see if I can do this. You know, let me try a different approach. And you say something, and then suddenly they chill. And sometimes you can get a resolve you wouldn't have gotten before. It would yep. have just gotten really right. bad. So, yep. Oh, the world easy. Yeah, that calm, frank, and open mm-hmm. is a mantra of when I'm dealing with. We'll tell you what something that gets my and, and you know, it's just something that's happened recently is that I get these calls from Chris's teachers and principals and stuff and when i see those names pop up in my phone because i've recorded them instant you know and and but now like you said breathe answer the phone stay calm frank and open i want to be defensive i want to tell them it ain't my fucking fault uh and but take a breath and address things calm frank and open and uh things go pretty well in the same light what does joy look like today as opposed to back then Joy was when I got my dope. <laughs> then everything was all right in Christopher's world. Yep, and I, if could, I had enough. And all I needed was enough for tonight. I really relate to Bill's story in the first chapter where he's dying from alcoholism, but he's smiling because he's got that two bottles of bathtub Jim hitting yep. and Lois just left. And that's all I cared about. Just yep. as long as I got enough for tonight, I'm a happy motherfucker. I'm joyous. Um, but today it's much more quiet. It's just this inner... You get these moments where, um, you know, let's be honest, man. We shouldn't be alive. None of us. None of us fucking should be alive. And we should have much more scars and bad shit in our lives as a result of the karma we've sown. I should be in prison. And sometimes those moments just really hit you when when you get your humility in place. And even if you're having a bad day and you're like, God damn, I have been shown so much grace that, again, when we're talking about whether there's a presence of a higher power, it was Brother Luke who introduced me to the idea of grace because I would talk about being baffled that why am I not being made to suffer more for the shit that I did because I want to make myself, you know, we we can rarely accept self-forgiveness. And he'd go, huh, grace, Christopher, grace. And I'd be like, fuck you. I was, I was always my response to Brother Luke. He understood. He didn't like it, but he understood. Fuck you, Brother Luke. Um, goddamn monk. <laughs> but um, again, I just get these moments sometimes like I'm like, God, the things I've been spared, if you really are honest with yourself, no matter what else is going on in your life. And you think about that alternate reality, if there's this curtain of reality in quantum physics and there's this other dude that's just like you living this other life, but he's serving a 20 year sentence mm-hmm. and fighting with convicts and getting fucked in the ass and all the horrible shit that happens in prison. And you're sitting there going, 
why was I spared that? Yeah. Why was I spared that? That could help the person who's worried about trying to control their sponsee for uh, not be Judge Judy about their codependency. Again, it's like, why was I spared what I should have gotten? Yeah. And why are sometimes other people not? I mean, I don't know if that's just part of their plan and they need to go and learn through it or whatever it is, but. I popped through the other end almost undamaged, 45 years. Mm. And uh, I'm healthy. I don't have anything going on. I don't have any real. The only scar that I got from a wreckage in my past was that felony for a while. Now it's healed completely, you know? So, uh, yeah, very fortunate. Grace. And why did it just go this way instead of that? I have particular instances in my story where I'm like, you know, God damn it. Yep. So close, so close. Like literally your destiny, your life was hanging on that thread about whether that question was asked or whether this was done at that time. And you're Mm -hmm. like, you're like, what? How did it's like? And then when you like, you know, that's what really makes you wonder. You have to wonder about the influence of a higher power. Yeah versus somebody that wasn't spared that moment of right. grace and then, then they had to go serve and you're like well why why isn't that you know and i know for me it would have been the death of me if i had been going to prison i'd be dead i would have killed myself i can't live i was that. planning i to. can't live like that yep I, I was not planning to go to prison uh i always admire the people that have that story i always tell them that too i say man i my hat's off to you i can't do that you did that. You survived it. You you I, you have my 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 credit. Yeah, because that golly, yeah. You know, joy today. Some of the stuff. You know, I don't know that that feeling I was talking about earlier. When something, one way I can explain it, and I heard it from our buddy who was in the thing, Earl Hightower. He says exactly where he was supposed to be doing exactly what he was supposed to be doing. And when those waves of that kind of gratitude wash over me, whatever, if it's sometimes it's sitting with a sponsee, sometimes it's sitting in a tree stand, sometimes it's yeah. fixing something at work. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's two things come together perfectly out in the, it is present. in the present moment right now where you get like you get wholly aware of what you got at that second yep. and nothing else is in your mind yeah i will tell you and i could never a, do that a warm hot shower on a cold evening yeah and you get in there and you just like oh my god life is so good yep. <laughs> and it does not have to be the big woohoos that they're teaching us will make you happy yep a lot of times it happens to me in the it's middle of the... It's not the big woohoos. I just bought a new car a few years ago, and it's just a fucking piece of metal in the driveway. It yep. didn't make me happy for that long. Yep. Yep. I just bought two new guns after eight years of not being able to. And they're in the closet. And uh, the shiny wore off. <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you, the, the those moments happen a lot out in the wilderness for me. It's when it's completely quiet, it's quiet, except for the you yes, know sir. the mother nature noises, the birds are whistling or something's flying by or that kind of stuff. Uh, the leaves are rattling in the trees and <laughs> and um, knowing that you're like out. I don't know, just that it feels like a big bubble of insulation, like the world can't get me there. You know, I'm not going to get bumped into by somebody that's going to whatever I'm unfuckable with. Yeah, unfuckable with. Unfuckable with. And I get that after writing, and it's been a good session, and I'm just, I'm healed. I'm whole. Everything is right with the world, and I feel like I'm part of this greater energy that's able to create, which ultimately is the force of of nature, it's the force of a higher power. It's a creator, right? That's what we call it. And you get to play some role in that. You bring something out of nothing, you know, and and it's good. And you're like, this was fucking awesome. And you feel like you're living in your purpose. You're living in what you're supposed to be doing. 
that's what I wish for everybody out there. But boy, if you got to go through a lot of inventory and talking to your sponsor and trying different things before you find your fit, yep. it's a process of becoming. It's not, you know, I get these younger guys that want to know right away. I'm like, just fucking go on the journey, trying some different yep. things. You can fail. You can change your mind. You just don't know until you grow enough and learn yeah, enough. That's what one of the questions I got recently was, when did it click for you? <laughs> it never really did, man. It, it was not a click. Uh, just good things started piling up. I think we did have moments of clicking, though, when it came to when we decided to finally do this thing. Oh, yeah, there were now, clicks. Now, I think yours might have been after you met me and you were driving home one night. I heard I you say something I walked out of the church. Okay. I, I remember it's the same double doors we walk out of today. I walked through those, and when I went out that door, uh, the stars were shining brighter, the moon was brighter, the weather was perfect, and I just knew something had just happened. And for me, it was that last use where I smoked that one talk about joint, and I saw my own death, and I just started going to AA with for myself. Not fucking, and I didn't even realize I was still doing it for other people. That's how deep my programming was to please others. I didn't even realize I was still trying to get their approval. Um, 90 and 90 and another 90 and 90 because kiss my ass, that's for me. That's not for you guys. I'm not trying to press y'all. I see these guys get up and beat their chest as a badge of honor, and I'm like, fuck you with that shit. You're doing it for yourself, man. And that's what clicked is I'm going to do recovery for me because I want to be out of the madness. Yeah. I'm not going to go down with the sinking ship that my family has done for generations and generations of drunks and losers. No, I'm not going to let it happen to me. Well, it's been great, man. It's been fucking it's awesome, man. Really I'm high good, as a motherfucker. Got a lot of really good <laughs> questions. I started thinking a minute ago, there used to be a size limit on uh, how big a, but I think since Spotify took it, there's no more. Back when Anchor had it, there was a megabyte list and I'd have to like turn the quality down to squeeze it in. I could always do it. Uh, but yeah, and I also set up last night because I got that second wind after taking that shower and sitting here for a minute and uh, rearranged the podcast schedule and bumped one out so that we'll put this in. There's one that I promised a guy yesterday, and this won't be, they won't, this won't mean anything. Even when people talk about timelines on podcasts. Right. They'll be you, hearing this after you, that's already yeah, aired. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I have a, a, a really a cool dude. And I got these, this is another cool thing is I've got these people come out of the woodwork asking to be on my podcast. And that is a huge honor and another higher, I like to say higher power attaboys. When those kind of things happen, you know, you're on the path that you're supposed to be on. Uh, that's been a ebb and a flow with the podcast all along for like the first four years. I didn't even have to hardly try guests just fell in the door, but I've had some times when I had to, and I, again, I don't push rope. So there were some spells, but right now, um, I've got people coming to, to bring in some stuff that, uh, you can help me that might interest you in your, uh, add to list things you can uh, do like, uh, meditation and sound therapy and various other angles on those kinds of things. So that is super cool. And I think I'll have a, I'll be, I'll have my deer season loaded up here before too long i think i have a podcast every monday wednesday and sunday for two weeks awesome recording but then you get into that thing you gotta tell people when's your podcast coming out oh nah, don't six weeks that. i just won't say anything you want to be able to go hunting so it's all gonna work out yeah i'm not worried about that's more on me i just remember one time when i was on somebody's podcast and i asked them it was when i was earlier on and I said, when, are you, when when will this come out? She said, oh, I have no idea. She said, uh, 
I won't even start this series for eight more weeks. So I was like, and it was, I was like deflated when I found out. You mean like it's going to be months before? But that's on me. So, well, final, so, final thoughts. Uh, why don't you? So, I would not be where I am today without the teachers that have crossed my path. And anything I have worth to share has been given to me by other people. This is a tradition of AA since the beginning of this program is that we have our elders who have walked through the fire before us to be able to show us the best way to step. And if you're humble enough to ask them, they will share it with you. So please, for anybody that's new or anybody that's been a while and getting a little dry, pick the brains of the old timers. I heard Angie P say that on her story. She's from Cincinnati, Ohio, if you want to look her up. She said, yes, the newcomer's important, but I care more about the elders and I go and pick their brains because I want to know how to do this shit. And that she means life when she's saying do this shit. So I love nothing more than when somebody comes up at me and says, can I bend your ear on something? And it's not bending your ear where they're going to spend 10, 20 minutes telling me this long-winded fucking whatever everybody else is doing. But it's a specific question of like we did today. How do you deal with this? Or well, this is going on in my life. What do you do? What do you suggest? Blah, blah, blah. And that's how I got through. I don't know how anybody else gets through this deal. But in my success story in life is I've tried to listen. It's one of the things I've done the best. I'm a damn good student. I've always been a good student. I know how to learn. I know how to shut up. And maybe this guy has something to offer me. Unfortunately, I do find that people's egos get in the way. And especially people that have been in time and sobriety. They're like, well, I don't want to admit that I'm struggling with this. Or I don't want to admit that I'm supposed to have my shit together. And it's like, no. When do you get your shit together in recovery? When does that ever happen? I think Bill Wilson was struggling with his shit right to the day he died. The motherfucker died from emphysema, so he knew he was smoking cigarettes despite the fact he was killing him. So there's one thing he was challenged and working on until he died. Then um, the words of stories say he was gupping, he's fucking gulping like a fish out of water for every breath. Horrible way to pass away. Mm. So um, seek out these people that you see that have something, no matter what it is. You don't even have to know what it is. If you see them, they have a light around them. They seem happy. They're laughing a lot. They can share that with you. And then you can have that, but not until you get your ego out of the way to ask and say, you know, let me ask you a question. And a lot of times in my group, they're always like, well, this might be a dumb question. I'm like, there's no dumb questions. There's no such thing. The dumb thing is not asking. Um, so I just want to emphasize, I love the shit out of doing this. And again, I'm stunned that anybody cares about what I think about anything today. But again, everything I have came to me from other people who were walking the path before me. Um, one last thing I'll end on. Back in the day, I'm still a jazz hound, but I've not as much as I used to be. I've gotten into more uh, electronica stuff. But um, when Miles Davis and, and Charlie Parker and uh, John Coltrane and all these giants came through, they called them the Young Lions. And that these guys were replacing, you know, Louis Armstrong and all these other guys taking it in new directions with bebop and all this freeform jazz and and breaking new ground. And I'm excited for that. That's what I want for the future because the young kids coming now are going to be the young lions. And now we're in a place where our old elders are no longer Burns is housebound and Don just passed away. And I don't know who's going to pick up the torch for Louisville. Louisville is well known, apparently, in the country to have blessed with lots of meetings and a, a bit of a recovery. A strong magnet. recovery network. Yeah, a good recovery society. And um, we need these people, but we're going to need people to come behind them. 
So I like that phrase, the young lions. Who's going to be the young lions of the next generation to pick up this torch and make sure it's there for our grandkids and make sure it's there for this world? Because uh, I just got to say this on the way out. There is nothing else I have found that's going to save humanity like this. Everybody throws around all these different solutions about what we need to do, right, to avoid extinction. We have to change inside. And if you name me anything else you can find, I get my patients this challenge all the time. Get on the Internet if you can find any other program that's free. You can do it easy. It's spelled out one, two, three. You do it in order. And you can get it done in four to six months. And it's going to change your entire life. Everything. Everything's going to be better. You name me one thing where you can get that, and they can't. This is it. And I do believe, if there's a higher power, that it was given to the world at the time we were going to need it the most. And it is filtered through AA to other programs to now the rest of humanity needs this, which is what we're trying to do in TSSR. Um, And I wish other people were doing it instead of throwing tomatoes at the idea that we're going to help our fellows. I think Bill says we should be helping others. He doesn't say just alcoholics. Yep. So... um, Turn your thoughts to who you can help. And how many of our fellows do we hear say that, that say, man, this is the greatest way to live. I didn't have this toolkit before, but now I know what to do to be a good person, not to be another asshole out there. So just thank you for listening to us. I'm humbled by everything that I have in sobriety. And and I'm going to bumble through this thing just like you the rest of the day and try and not step on the toes of my fellows. I let you have your last word now. Yeah. Well, thank you, Christopher, for coming and doing this. I believe it was well 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 thank you Catherine I think was the main one of people that was a catalyst for uh, for our our doing this Uh, thank you guys for playing with us today and sending in some participating and sending in some questions so that we'll have some ammunition and it was really a great bunch of questions today Uh, as you can see we're almost at the four hour mark so if it wasn't good questions it wouldn't have been that and uh, although Christopher and I both can uh, uh talk a bit but uh what do you say perambulate huh perambulate prambling what does it mean prambling yeah you said look it up in your text so now you got to tell people what it really means uh, uh, hold on man i'm lost you said on your original text for the questions this is for christopher and i to perambulate look it up and i'm a writer and i didn't even know what really? that really i don't recall that, i did man. not and i did not look it up so now i'm pulling calling you out before the podcast uh, is sometimes, over uh, that you have to tell people what it means and i figured it was one of those fancy words since you're listening to books and you hooked it may have been it could be something that's coming out my vocabulary natural but uh I don't. Uh, I thought it meant like preachify or you know <laughs> we're going to edify everybody on our experience. Um, it keeps on wanting to or pull just up sell stuff a bunch of bullshit. Is what I thought it may it be. Keeps on pulling stuff up of either by the United States preamble or this AA preamble, the UN preamble. It doesn't have a preamble late. You're googling it. Yep, it's no such word. I may be spelling it wrong. Well, give your final thoughts because you didn't really give final thoughts. Nope. And I'm going to look up on your text. I'm going to find it. Hmm. That's weird. Uh, you know, I talk on this thing so much and everybody, I sometimes I feel like a broken record player. And that's something that I feel like in the meetings, too. But uh, apparently I have some, you know, had great teachers and I will. Obviously, it's just as Christopher's done as uh, uh, any credit goes to the people who have taught me this stuff. I claim no personal knowledge or expertise in any of this stuff other than what's been taught to me and, and worked in my program. Um, 
So I'm in with that with Christopher. If we could get, you know, I mean, it's I've heard it since I've got to AA. If everybody would work a program, this world would be a better place. I know that's a big ask, too, because uh, like some of the names we bounced around today, you're going to get Jeff Bezos to do that. Those are the ones that probably need it the most. Um, bring some heart into them. But we'll do, uh, you know, we can't fix the world, but I can help the next guy down the line, and I'll just keep on doing that for now. Um. I'll close her off with the same thing. Wait Every, a minute. I found it. What is it? Confabulate. 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 You did say that. And I looked it up, and it's, I'm expecting this great definition of what the fuck does confabulate mean. I'm a fucking writer. I don't even know what this word means. It says engage in conversation. Yeah. And then it says talk. That's it. Engage in conversation and talk. Okay. Yes, that's what we did today. But goddamn, I hope it's that's more a, than just you, that. Use fancy words. <laughs> it's, here's an example. She can be heard on the telephone confabulating with somebody. If you said that in everyday conversation, they'd be like, what the fuck is she doing on the phone? <laughs> I've picked that up in my, I've heard that word used a number of times in my stuff. Confabulate. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and I used it in the tense or in the, in the uh, same vein. It was... Uh, talk to me i should uh at times i'm reading books man and i want to actually take notes but my hands will be doing something different because uh there's a lot of words that i hear sometimes i do stop and look it up so we'll close this thing out right before four hours uh if you're not having a blast in your recovery you're not doing it right and i want to thank everyone out there for allowing christopher and i to participate in our recoveries in this manner today peace out peace